0: This is the Canucks Central post-game show.
1: Big to shot, cuts behind the net, around the left wing side, backhand spin around, a pass to shooter. he scores! An unbelievable pass from Andre Kuzmenko lands right on the tape of Hugh Suter, and the Canucks lead one to nothing. Kuzmenko from his knees digs it free to Mikheyev, left corner. Mikheyev Mikheye for Queen Hughes, left wing with a lane to the net, he scores! An absolute laser beam from the Vancouver captain who's got his 12th of
0: the year and it's 2-0 Canucks! With instant reaction from the players and coaches
1: Kershev going to the goal, backhand chance behind Demko and he held it out on the goal line Thatcher Demko spun behind his back, made a save with the glove and now he makes another one without a stick.
0: Have your say on the official home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network
2: Canucks win their third straight game, remain undefeated in their last nine performances. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the Number 5 Orange after a 2-0 Canucks victory over the Blackhawks. Another shutout for Demko, another shutout for the Vancouver Canucks. And like Bick mentioned, and we'll bring him in in a second, it's Satyar Shaw with Bic Nazar, and we'll talk to Randy Jan in a moment. But like Bick mentioned, the Canucks had six shutouts from 2018 to 2013. This was a sixth shutout of the season. It shows you how far this Canucks squad has come defensively and what type of goaltending they're getting. And keep getting your thoughts into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. You can also grab a phone line, 604-280-0650 or toll-free, 275 And Randeep, I mean, uh, not that Thatcher Demko needed to be spectacular, but anything he faced, he thwarted it away. But the Canucks, I mean... I think the Blackhawks are trying hard, but I don't yeah. think they ever forced the Canucks to get out of third gear tonight.
3: No, it was comfortable near the end. I know there's a couple of spot, uh, you know situations where Thatcher Demko has to make a save. There's a double save in the third period. There's another double save in the first period. Um, some really good saves, but overall from Chicago, uh, this is the, what, 31st-ranked scoring team in the NHL. The Canucks get that early lead, which is so important for them. Done it 33 times this year, guys, and after that, you know, a couple of penalties in the second period could have made it interesting. If Chicago scores, they don't. Thatcher Demko does what he does, and that stat is, is, uh, you know, it is pretty mind-boggling, right, in terms of what they've been able to do uh, with getting the shutouts this year. And remember, this was a, a team that went what felt like 14 months without a shutout. It was mm-hmm. it was very substantial uh, in terms of defensive play. Now they're they're locked in. They're ready to go.
4: Was the stat you uh, mentioned yeah. the uh, shutouts? Yep. Yeah, it, it's it's.
3: Your stat. We, 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 yeah. I went to your we, stat.
4: We, we've not seen six shutouts here. It's so long. And it took from the Kings game to the end of, uh, like, when Bruce first took over to the end of last year.
3: The Arizona game. Yeah. Yep.
4: Like, that's how long it took. And it, it, it's not just a credit to the goaltending. Obviously, we'll spend some time talking about that. you tonight. But it's the whole, like, overall buy-in from everyone into the Rick Tockett philosophy. This is now game 83 and he's you know, put up some of the best numbers and even immediately you saw like the defensive adjustments that were coming it and it's just taken some time and
3: uh, they're, they're reaping the benefits of it all now. And you go back to that Arizona game and there'd be you know 2-1 in that game a lot of folks might be like oh that's boring hockey or the third period might be boring hockey. No that's perfect hockey when you've got a lead and can you manage that game? That's exactly what coaches want where hey you, you can't create anything against us, and that's exactly what happened in that game. And here in the third period, a couple of big saves from Thatcher Demko, no doubt about that, but it was comfortable for this team.
2: It really was comfortable, and we have a lot of texts coming in. I saw this tweet uh, to one of our tweets here post game, and it's from Dylan Nicholson at Radio Codex. The Canucks did what they needed to do. They played like they were driving through a school zone. And it sounds about right, sure. like maintaining your speed, but at no point did you feel like you had to get <laughs> out of that speed, right? And And I think the Blackhawks tried as hard as they possibly could, I mean, I'm, this isn't like, hey, a banner performance by the Canucks by any means, but they never bent either. I mean, I think the best chance they gave up in this game, well, there were two. Uh, the first one was at the start of the, the second, second period, period. yeah, the, the radish one. The radish one, yeah. And then yeah. the best, the other one they had was the, the break for Blackwell, yeah. and you know, yeah. uh, I'm not sure he gets a great shot off, but those are really two only only two breakdown chances I thought the Canucks gave up in this game.
3: Yeah, and in terms of, you know, other saves, yeah, Thatcher Demko had to make a, you know, solid play, solid couple of saves on Nick Felino near the post where he sealed the post really well, credit to the goaltender, but in terms of defensive play, it was, it was solid, and that's what you want from this team. And, guys, what I liked about this last two or three games, and especially games like this where the Canucks' physicality has gone up when they have a chance to finish a check, but not, they're not reaching, they're not stretching themselves. Yeah. They're making that play, they're finishing the check. That's what you do later on in the season when you're, you know, trying to have an impact on every single game and you're trying to make sure that hey, if you're entering your zone, if you're trying to have the puck near the boards, we're gonna make sure that you pay for it. So defensive structure and playing physical. Sometimes you sacrifice, mm-hmm. you know, defensive structure by going out of your way to make that hit. They're not doing that here. Mm-hmm. They're inflicting pain uh, when the moment is right.
4: It's such a tough balance, right? Yeah. Like when to be restrained, when to be aggressive and and pushing the puck into certain areas of the ice and uh, it, tonight wasn't exactly a perfect example sure. of it because it's not as if Chicago is going to strain you in certain certain parts, but uh, it, it's really about the progress as a whole, as an overall defensive unit. I do want to get your impression. We, we we talked a bit about it in the second intermission. We saw the new D pairings tonight. Yeah. Uh, any in particular stand out for you?
3: Yeah, I think with you know looking at what Ian Cole and Noah Julson, another plus two game for Ian Cole, and uh, they have a. a a sense of you know communication they they played well together they have a an understanding overall though I think in terms of creation Kronik and Hughes is still so much better than anything the opposition can start so I, I'd like to see with that I'd like to see them go back to that but without Carson Susi, you're kind of lacking some balance um I think with Tyler Myers so I guess the question is you know how do you find that perfect fit is it Hughes and Myers for now, but ideally, I think you want Hughes and Heronick back together.
2: Yeah, and I think part of it is You know, and we saw it uh, having Juleson back. So all the lefties have to go back to their own side again and trying to find that mix. I I thought the D pairs looked fine tonight. Like I thought Juleson Mm -hmm. looked pretty solid. Cole would look fine. And, you know, back to playing his left side as opposed to playing the right and a bit more comfortable.
4: Everything just looked a bit easier for him tonight. Sure. Yeah,
2: and and at no point was the defense under any distress. Like any forechecking, you know, the the Blackhawks had. They moved it out pretty efficiently and easily. And at no point were they actually on their heels, right? And And I... I think for his first game back, Noel Juleson looked solid.
3: Yeah, I think there's, you know, probably the, the moment where the penalty was called on Bluger. There's some confusion on that, but that's late in the game. You don't worry about that. Overall, moving the puck simply and cleanly, that's something that he's focused on the last couple of months, and he does a good job on that. You know, in terms of the defensive pairs looking good, you're right. They do. But I guess the question is, do you have that high end? Uh, from an offensive perspective uh, when those two guys are not together. And, you know, in another matchup, potentially, you might say, okay, against the St. Louis or another team when you're uh, after this homestand, I, I do wonder about that. But in this matchup, uh, I, I liked it, but I do wonder about that offensive aspect. Can you can you really push it with uh, without those two guys together? Right.
2: And let's go outside the Canucks locker room after two nothing victory over the Chicago Blackhawks, and we're joined by defenseman Ian Cole. Ian, thanks for joining us as always. And it felt like it was one of those games where you guys were very compact in how you played, and at no point did the Blackhawks like really force you guys out of your game.
5: Yeah. Um, listen, as the season's gone, we've tried to. Continue to uh, play a mature game in the sense of like we know what works for us, we know what makes us successful, um, and we want to try to stick to that as long as we can here and and not deviate, um, regardless of kind of what happens. You know they uh, they had a couple chances, um, you know a couple fumbled pucks on uh, some bad ice, some some bouncing pucks. But listen, you know uh, ultimately our our goaltender is great, and we trust him to make uh, you know obviously saves. And then if we do our job and try to keep pucks out of the middle and And uh, let the majority of the shots kind of be from the outside or or from the uh, corners or from the point. Uh, We should be. We should be good over time.
3: Ian, when we uh, sometimes talk about the way that games are played, especially in the third period, you're managing a lead. You know, fans and and media will say that was a boring period, but that's a good thing for a player's perspective, is it not? You're limiting everything uh, in the defensive zone.
5: Yeah, listen, we're not, uh, we're not in the business of, uh, well, you know, I guess technically we are in the business of entertainment, um, but I think that the most entertaining uh, you can be is by winning hockey games. So, um, you know, is it a boring period? Yeah, sure. That's fine. We, that sounds great for us, especially with the lead. Uh, and this season, you know, we've been really, really good at that. Um, I kind of something we pride ourselves on and, uh, you know, being able to kind of take a step back, you know, and have a little talk amongst the team and say, hey, listen, we're up by a goal here or we're up. Uh, you know by two goals in this case or hey it's a tie game we just scored all right hey let's play smart let's play mature let's get pucks out let's get pucks in um, and if we do that uh, we'll win a heck of a lot more games uh, than we lose and, and you've seen that so far this year
4: uh, you mentioned the goaltender he ends up with his uh, fifth shutout of the year and it's six uh, for the team which is not something we've seen a lot here in Vancouver of of clean sheets for uh, the team you know how much is is that discussed of, of keeping this uh, defensive structure going and, and, and getting that zero on the board
5: Yeah, I think the shutout isn't necessarily the goal. Um, You know, the shutout's a byproduct of of playing a really solid team defensive game. Like, you know, a shutout's great. It's not just our goaltender. It's the players, too. But it's not just our defense. It's the forwards, too, right? Um, And we play a five-man defensive team defensive game, right? So we need to make sure that... You know, our forwards are coming back. Our forwards are making the right reads in the back check. They're taking guys, right? The Deacon had the greatest gap in the world, but if they hit a late guy who comes down the slot, there's not a ton we can do about it. So that's where we, we rely on our force to come back hard, come back smart. Uh, and they've done a fantastic job of that, and they've gotten better and better and better as the season's gone. So, you know, if we as defensemen can do our job and they can do their job, it, you know, in turn makes Denver's job a lot easier, and then th- good things start to happen consistently.
2: Uh, your your pk killed uh, every penalty you faced tonight what's been the real key to the success you guys have had the past fifteen twenty games
5: yeah listen i think that um, you know early on in the season um, i think we were better than our percentage let on um, i think we you know there were a lot of kind of uh, weird situational goals you know five on threes uh, six on threes six on fours things like that um, you know not to say we were perfect by any means but it was kind of a new system it was kind of getting used to it but you know, I think you see as we uh, get more used to it, dial in our reads, dial in our kind of um, uh, our responsibilities. Um, you can start to have, you can start to get more pressure out of that diamond setup that we're in. So. Um, you know, we don't want to sit back and be passive. It turns into a shooting gallery, which is not great. So you want to be able to pressure while staying inside of your structure uh, and knowing what your responsibilities are at any given moment. Um, and when we can kind of juggle those two things, uh, then you start to see uh, that percentage start to tick up, which is you know kind of what we've seen recently. So so it's been good.
4: We've been talking here recently just on, on the PK that the, the the forwards they're really tall, uh, along with the the D men you guys obviously have. How much is like the the forwards' reach impact you guys on the back end? On the
6: PK.
5: Yeah. No. I mean, I think you know. I think you can go about influencing pucks. You know, multiple different ways, right? You can do it. You know, with your body position. You can do it with your length in terms of how long you can reach with your stick. Uh, you can do it with your stick position. You can do it with your skating. So there's m- multiple ways to do that. Um, you know, when we're in that diamond setup, it is a little bit more of a stationary thing rather than you know that whole kind of steer down traditional kind of toilet bolts, kind of circle, if you will. Um, So it's a little bit more stationary, but um, if you can continue to influence and kind of steer guys with your stick and body position into uh, good spots for us, bad spots for them, um, you know, you can kind of take away some of the danger uh, that you see out there. So I I agree with you, Uh, you know, length and length of stick uh, certainly, uh, certainly helps with that for sure.
3: Noah's mentioned you know one of the best parts of playing with you is that you communicate you talk when you're on the ice and you've been on some successful teams two-time cup champ uh you know how important is that when you're trending towards the playoffs you're getting ready you're refining your craft uh and as you head towards the you know the later stretch the second half of the season
5: yeah no I mean I think um you know I think as we as we start the season right uh communication is is huge uh more so just to get on the same page in, ter- in terms of like seeing a play develop and coming to the same conclusion at the same time. So, uh, um, you know, does it is it tough to change someone's mind on the ice when they've already made up their mind? Yeah, it probably is. Um, but the more you talk, the more you talk on the bench, the more you talk after the fact, uh, you know, between games, the more you can get on the same page. And then when you're reading the play the same, then you can kind of cement those decisions with good communication. You can tell guys to skate when they are already been thinking about skating. Uh, things like that. So,
2: Hey, final one before we let you go, Ian. I remember chatting with you at training camp, and you mentioned now you came to Vancouver because you saw the talent here and you thought this would be a really good team. And obviously, you guys have gotten off to a fantastic start, but I, I guess you're one of the least surprised people the team is as good as they are so far this season?
5: You know, I, yes and no. Um, you know, would, would I have said that we'd be, you know, first in the league here, uh, you know, halfway through the season or, or by, you know, bye week? You know, probably not. Um, that being said, I think that, you know, when I got asked the question, you know, not necessarily from you guys, but just in general, mm-hmm. uh, you know, well, why would you want to come here? You've been on a lot of good teams. Like, why would you want to come here? <laughs> kind of insinuating, hey, right. this team kind of stinks. Why would you want to be here? Um and I was kind of like, I, I think you guys are missing something here. Like, I think this is a really good team, or has the potential to be a really good team. Um, sort of, did, did I think that we could be a playoff team? Absolutely, I wouldn't have wanted to come here if it wouldn't. If we would have been in the basement. Um, so, listen, I, I'm not surprised by where we are. Uh, pleasantly surprised, um, but not completely. But yeah, I mean, sure. Did we have we overachieved? Yeah, definitely. Um, but you know, listen, we've had a really great mindset in terms of uh, uh, you know a day at a time. Um, you know, is take a, you know, just trying to work every day, trying to improve every day. You know, all those cliches, if you will. Um, but it is true, uh, and it has been very helpful for us, and it has been something that we've been able to kind of lean into, and you know, not get ahead of ourselves. And you know, for instance, after a great win against Toronto, uh, we come back and have a two nothing shutout win against Chicago, and it'd be really easy for a team to kind of like let up and just say, oh wow, great win, let's go on cruise control. Chicago stinks. You know, we didn't do that, and you know, we played hard, and we and we got a shutout, so that's a uh, that's a good thing.
2: Hey, Ian, fantastic stuff. Our inbox, our listeners are loving that. Great interview with Ian Cole. Uh, Coach Cole, always love hearing from him. We (laughs) love chatting with you. So thanks so much for your time and uh, best of luck on Wednesday against the St. Louis Blues. Yep, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You got it. That is is Ian Cole, Canucks defenseman. And the inbox, loving Ian Cole. Great interview. Uh, Train in the Ridge says, awesome interview with Cole. I feel like I'm watching a masterclass in session. His hockey IQ is off the charts. Uh, Ian Cole is a great speaker. I can see him becoming a coach one day. That's Chris from Vancouver. And this one says, Cole has an amazing future as analyst. Fantastic insights every single time. Could not agree more.
4: By the way, don't get it wrong here. Uh, Chris from Vancouver, first-time texter. Oh, Saying right. he's a defensive forward. So, so send it. in your player All profile right. uh, if, if you're texting in. You don't even have to be a first-timer. Just If you're a your uh,
3: smooth-skating right-handed D-man, uh, text it in. I've, I've never shared mine. Stay at home, D. Uh, <laughs> just we knew. Murray, Murray Barron in his prime. <laughs> Randy
2: Janda, announcer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! No, I mean it's it's great stuff for me and Cole too. Like oh, you know, good. We, and and you know he he mentioned even him. Like I don't think even the most optimistic Canucks fan, and even the most optimistic Canucks player, the ones that thought, hey, we're better than people think, we got a chance. Nobody expected this. Yeah. Forty-seven games into the season, sixty-eight points. Jets lose tonight. The Canucks are the top team in the National Hockey League.
3: It's wild, right? We had this conversation, all of us, prior to the season, whether it was on your show, Vic, your show, you know, maybe a collaboration under your guys' roundtable, all of that. And the conversation of where this team will be, where they'd be fighting, um, I think even the most optimistic analyst or fan did not have this in mind. But the fact is, when you have the right coaching, when you have the right alignment, when you have the right players in the right fit, and Ian Cole's a classic example of that, right? This is a guy that has been to the top of the mountain. He's played with some of the best players. He's contributed within that system to get to the top of the mountain. and That's exactly what he's doing here. They're pulling in the right direction, and that's what excites me now because I I didn't predict this. I don't think anybody in the city did. Yeah. Um, if they did you know, you should probably be in, honestly, in the business honestly, somehow. Honestly,
7: the most
2: yeah. optimistic projection I saw was from Dan Riccio. He had the Canucks finishing third in the Pacific Division, okay, which yeah. seemed like and we put it out because I had the Canucks on the, as a wild card team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He had the Canucks winning, being third in a division. And we got a bunch of replies, you guys are homers, like this mm-hmm, and that. Sure. And and that was like the most optimistic, being third in the division. And Scratching here they are. all their way to
4: 97 <laughs> points <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, and like yeah, okay.
2: maybe if things break right, maybe they're a hundred point team, like really at the high end. I mean right now what they have to they have to win uh, what is it 12 of their next or what or like what is it, 16 games? I think they'd win 16 of the remaining games to get to 100 points. It just shows you how remarkable it is. they they can go under 500 the rest of the way. 16 games. Yeah. 16 games. They got to win 16 games out of the next 36
4: and, and especially with the, the the playoff bar trending towards like 90 91 mm-hmm. points. Again, they're they're not going to be scrapping their way to uh 92 points or anything like that but just to get to 90 points 90 they are 11 wins
3: away and boys the key to that right one of the the big mystery was what does this team play like? What is their system? What does it look like? And that's really the reason, right? Because Thatcher Demko, to Ian's point, yeah, you have one of the best goaltenders in the league. Five shutouts. Uh, speaking of which, uh, on the number five orange postgame show, I'm, I'm always oh, going to draw. Oh, I like it. I'm going to draw the the I links whenever when I can, boys. Yeah, that's my working. job here. All right. Uh, but even stay at home be- <laughs> broadcaster, he's working. <laughs> yeah, broadcasting slightly different. <laughs> Rarely home. Uh, but in terms of you know the structure and being able to play that, that was the big. What are they going to look like? How is Rick Tockett going to change this? And, guys, the way that they've been able to do this, goaltending aside, defensively, and, yeah, Ian mentioned it, where it's not only the goaltender, it's not only the defenseman, it's the forwards as well. They're all putting work here, and the ability to limit anything through the middle of the ice, anything, compared to what they were doing last year and the year before, has been the biggest surprise, but the surprise has come through you know, actual hard work—the work that they do in practice every single day, the instruction, and the constant feedback that the coaching staff g- gives. So, even though it might be a surprise to us, and even to a certain extent, Ian Cole, they've been putting in work, and it's showing. When teams, you know, coaches say, "Hey, this is the best team we've played this year," or that first period was the best, you know, first period we've played against this year, the proof is in the pudding. Now, it's not a you know small sample size anymore; it's there in front of us.
2: Andre Kuzmenko tonight. Picks up a couple assists. Yep. Uh, very good first period. Is named tonight's third star. Demko's the first star. Suter, Pugh Suter gets a second star. But Andre Kuzmenko, third star tonight, two assists. Um, what did you think of the way he played? Did, did he look like himself a bit more tonight?
3: I think he did, especially in that first period. You mentioned it, the uh, the assist there, the uh, the behind the back feed to Pugh Suter, who was all by himself on that you know right post, and. Kuzmenko playing with confidence and you know when he's in that zone when he's in that part of the ice that's something that we've seen so many times and it's nice to see him have that confidence back one thing I will say though and I was talking to Darren Pang in the intermission here and he mentioned a couple of things about the young defenseman that Chicago has they're obviously picking up their game a little bit and the Louis Crevier uh, pairing alongside Isaac Phillips got that matchup in the first period and that line exposed them right that these are guys that have what 56 games of AHL experience or excuse me NHL experience mostly played in the AHL and to their credit Suter Mikheyev, Kuzmenko made them pay and that that's what got Kuzmenko his confidence back and I like to see that third period though there was one moment mm-hmm. along the right hand side where near the defensive blue line there's a little spinorama and Kuzmenko That's a no-no in the uh, defensive zone for one Rick Tockett. So there's moments like that just following the play, following Kuzmenko going back to the bench, and there's instruction there by Rick Tockett to say, hey, I don't want you doing spinoramas there. So even though he had a good game, there's still moments to say, okay, you have to be mindful that you don't make those plays in the defensive zone. And that's what Rick Tockett's going to look at, right? Having him out there on the ice with the empty net, trying to get him his confidence offensively is one thing, but you got to be very careful. I thought he was engaged. There's a, a battle behind the net that he won on the defensive side of things, some good things, yeah. but there was also some things maybe that uh, Talkett might have a chat with him and say, hey, spinoramas are great, you know, around the goal line, in your own zone near the blue line. I don't want to see that so it, much.
4: It's just, you know, similar to the conversation with the deep pair that Sat and I were having the second intermission, just, it's hard to extract a lot in a game like yeah. this where it's, if the Canucks wanted to put it into third gear, they just knock right over the Blackhawks, right? And so it, it's a lot of it is you're 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 excelling in static environments, and so yeah, because Miko has a good game, but you see, it's just like the one thing that happens, Richtaka goes right to him because right. you're clearly in an advantageous spot in this game where the talent gap is so large, and you shouldn't be making mistakes like that. And I, I know this, like hey. I think we're all thrilled for Andre Kuzmenko, right? Get some points. Get some confidence. Yeah, just get some confidence. And that, to me, is the thing that you just take out of this. It's can you carry this confidence into the next game? I don't know if anything that happened on the ice to me is something that's going to carry on into St. Louis and into the, the All-Star break. But at least it's something that you can say, okay, now I, I got the production, I created an amazing pass, but I don't look at anything that happened to him and be like, oh, this is the reason that's going to keep him in the lineup.
3: And you got to string four or five games together on top of that, playing against opposition and defensemen that are, that I would say high, higher level than this. But the mm-hmm. other thing, just on a, on a very basic level, I'm happy for that line to get some production though, right? Where Pius Suter playing alongside, that, uh, alongside those guys in Mikhaev, they did look good, but... At the very least, you get some confidence going. And with St. Louis and Columbus coming into town, guys, uh, that's what you can build on, right? Yeah, what do you got absolutely. here, Vic? What, what are you laughing no, at? No,
4: I'm not. I'm
3: not no, no, I can, no, we can read it. It's okay.
2: Somebody, somebody texted in. He's like, wow, great interview with Ian Cole. Any uh, An idea. More of him and less of you morons. And I responded by saying, <laughs> you think he wants to do two hours of sports talk radio after a game and you think we're the morons? <laughs> That's what I was laughing at. Uh, also, that's what he's laughing All at. All right. Got it.
4: Got uh, it. A lot of texts coming in about the lotto line, right? And Rick Talk kind of challenged him this uh, morning. And I don't know if it was exactly, you know, about, oh, you got to go put up four tonight. It's in general kind of set a tone yep. uh, going into the All Star break, especially coming off a big game like uh, Toronto. And I thought, by and large, they kind of played with their food tonight. They're yep. just lackadaisical, so not exactly the probably the ringing endorsement uh, you want to see from that line.
3: Yeah, it wasn't – I don't think you look back at that game and say, wow, they." there were certain moments, there were certain shifts where they look dangerous, but guys, uh, you know, I, I don't look at that game and say that was a, you know, a lotto line night. To me, that was a night where Thatcher Demko played well, you got some depth scoring, and to your point, you look comfortable, right? You didn't have to put your foot on the gas – uh, you didn't really need to lean on that line. Yeah. And they did what they did. They didn't necessarily have to, to lean anymore and, and that's I'm okay with that, especially when you're talking about conserving galleries and ice time. I, mm-hmm. I had a look at, you know, with Quinn Hughes and some of those the ice time that you know, what, twenty two minutes, uh, not pushing twenty five like you normally. J T played fourteen thirty six. Which is yeah. Remarkably Which low. is which is great, which is what you're saying. Yeah. All right, prior to the uh, the week off Let's rest this guy so he's ready to go against St. Louis and he's ready to go against Columbus when we might need him in a tighter game. Uh, I'm okay with that and I think, you know, there are certain moments where you saw like Pedersen picking off a pass in the neutral zone, one man counter attack, cutting to the middle, getting the shot off. Um, looking dangerous in spurts, but didn't need much more than that. Mm-hmm. No, they certainly didn't. Randy, great stuff tonight, calling the game alongside Brendan Bachelor,
2: and uh, we look forward to chatting with you ahead of the game on Wednesday against the Blues and post-game. Can I'm honored to be known as one of the morons along with you guys, <laughs> all right? so <laughs> There are dozens of us. Cheers there are boys. many of us. Uh, fantastic stuff as always from Randy. Janda, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650, courtesy of Dunbar Lumber, 604-280-0650. You're toll free, one 275 650 We are going to get to your phone calls in just a moment, so Hold on to your phone lines. We'll get there in a second. A lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. And you mentioned, Bic, uh, people texting in. And, and you can say, you know, what type of player were you? Faraz says, fringe 7th D-man on a beer league team. It's pretty incredible how this team has been able to shut down a lot of the doubts about them from earlier in the season, from things like they can't beat winning teams to sloppy first-period play. They seem to do it all now. That is Faraz texting in. And I think that's a good point. They've found different ways to win hockey games, but also, like, the things that we've questioned about them, can you beat be good teams? Can you create? Uh, can you create higher degree scoring chances? Can you score, some, you know, prettier goals? You're getting a lot of balances. Mm-hmm. Can you create? Uh, get more creative offensively? It seems like every question we've had, they've to some degree answered it so far.
4: Yeah, certainly. And when you look at their record against good teams too, like they've pulled in. I think they play 750 hockey somewhere around there of teams that are you know above uh, 100 point pace. So they. they Place sh- fairly strong Fairly strong And it, it's the fact that they can always rely on A certain level of defensive competency Keeps them in games and wait for your opportunities Again yeah. Tonight, I, I don't think you're pulling a lot Out of tonight of like, oh this is how they're always going to play Move forward, they did the business Got their two points, carry on uh, But they have Constantly found just different evolutions To the season so far And it, it, again, it's, it's what Good coaching is supposed to do You're supposed to kind of Get your team to ramp up At different elements uh, of the season So, you know, Rick Tocca challenged them a while ago That, hey, it's going to ramp up You have to match it And certainly, so far through this month They've done that And what's going to be interesting now is Post-All-Star game break uh, uh, All-Star break That run to the deadline What does that look like? And then what does the post-deadline run look like?
8: Mm-hmm.
4: That's, you know, that that As much as it is on the players, too To, to maintain a high Uh high energy level it's also going to be about the, the coaches to make sure they're they're doing it so you, you can get peak performance at the right time of the year yeah exactly and
2: you know if you can conserve some energy through some victories but also stay true to your staples like it wasn't like they were kind of you know slow playing this game and they were playing loose like they they stayed in position for the most part a couple breakdowns here and there but not too many And and that's a way to be able to play the right way almost like playing tired in a way tonight. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it felt like uh, for this Canucks team. Uh, A lot of reaction on the text inbox, 650-650. And this one here says, uh, Keith from Poco, congrats on Demmer for the shutout, though. Quick game. And he says that, no joke, he had a friend back in August who he works with who said the Canucks would not only win the Stanley Cup, but they would go on trade for Zadorov as well. So maybe some. Mm. Maybe there was a believer or two out we there. we had a seer amongst us. Maybe, just maybe. All right, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, 650-650. Uh, as far as Andre Kuzmenko is concerned, uh, this one here came in from Kelly, and he said, did you see who got some minutes late in the game uh, by the coaching staff? Andre Kuzmenko being out there for the for the dying moments, and Dan McColls on Twitter says, how about talking rewarding Kuzmenko with a shift in the final minute? Nice to see... Uh, and playmaking center muffin shot and soft in the corners, by the way. Good in the room, though. That is Dan saying a playmaking center muffin of a shot uh, and good in the corners, good in the room. Now, I would say Dan is good in the room. Very funny guy on Twitter. Damn. At Dan McColes on Twitter. Uh, fantastic stuff. All right, keep your thoughts coming in. We'll hit more of this as the show goes on, but let's go to the phone boards. 604-280-0650 or toll free. one And we'll start things off Uh with G in Delta. G, thanks for calling in. Uh, What are your thoughts tonight?
7: Hi, good evening. I was watching the game with my dad, who is a big Canucks fan. He does not follow the team under a microscope like us, but he watches every game. So at one point, there was a close-up of Noah Juleson, and my dad's like, who is this player? I do not think I have heard of him before. Now, I was very pleased to hear that because players are noticed for being very, very good or very, very poor. Juleson is neither, in my opinion. People like my dad not noticing him. That is exactly what is wanted from this player. It means he does not stink. That being said, there was some rust on him tonight, as expected. He made a few poor plays, but luckily it did not cost the team. Hopefully there is improvement over the next few games and practices. I would like to bring up one more thing before I hang up. John Shorthouse mentioned during the broadcast, Bedard and Eichel are injured. They are being replaced by Connor and Projek. Now, I am glad that two very talented and deserving players are going to the All-Star game, but that also means Chicago and Vegas will have no representatives. If Bedard and Eichel are not being replaced with a teammate, then why have that stupid one player from every team rule in the first place? I do not see the logic. What a joke. The NHL is a garbage league talking out of both sides of their mouth, like one of your favorite callers would say. But you know what is not garbage? The Vancouver Canucks and your post-game show. Have a good night.
2: (laughs) Thanks so much. That is G calling in. Uh, fantastic stuff.
4: I mean, who who from Chicago is going to go outside of Connor Dark? to the All Star or uh to the All Star game? It's really Jason Dickinson, I guess. That's pretty
2: much it. I mean, he got rewarded nine million. He got paid. Good for him. It's Good for Jason Dickinson.
4: Yeah, <laughs> take the uh, money. And then yeah, I mean, could Stone have gone? Some guys from Vegas. Uh, yeah. Uh, as far as Juleson, uh, you know, what was, what was interesting, too, is he's coming back to the lineup, so that's a bit different, and Ian Cole's going back to the left, you know, natural spot, obviously, but you know, a handful of games there on the right, uh, was there any, you know, rust? Yeah, there there wasn't even Noah Juleson said that in in the first intermission with us, that you yeah, know, just a, a couple of things you got to get right again, but I thought by and large it was just a, a prototypical uh, Noah Juleson night once again, a, a, a block shot as well, and just ticked the game along, did what he had to do, and you know he's going to get a run of games here with Carson Soucy out. So uh, health most important, but doing the basics uh, for Noah Juleson has earned uh, his trust uh, in the coach again. Certainly has, and I mean
2: Carson Soucy has been terrific on the PK. Like Mm -hmm. he's been one of the better PKers in the league when he's played. But the luxury has actually been that Noah Juleson hasn't been far. Much, wor- money. much worse, right? Found and like He's been one role, of the better yeah. guys. And he is one of the better PKers. So you lose Susie for the PK, then mm-hmm. it really miss much of a beat because he comes in and, and fits into that role. And, you know, James and, and Beach says, how are they different with and without Susie in the lineup? I think the one difference that's a positive, and I'd rather have Susie in the lineup. Like, I'd rather deal with the problem. Mm-hmm. But one positive, everybody was comfortable playing their right side tonight. Yeah. So you had the three righty defensemen in Myers, Hronik, and Julesen. You had Cole shifting back to his left. You have Zadorov and Hughes on their left. And it seemed like Ian Cole was more comfortable just in his, on his left side. That's something that Talkett mentioned, too, about you know getting him back to playing the left side. That's a positive. And I'd still rather have... I'd rather deal with the problem of having two lefties together and having Susie in the mm-hmm. lineup. But to answer the question, the one benefit... As you get guys in their natural sides?
4: There have been a couple of moments in the offensive zone where, like, a DDD pass to Ian Cole, taking it off the backhand, and just trying to make a play that, you know, it's just been a little slower. But, again, that's in the offensive zone. Like, to me, it's, like, take care of the defensive zone first. Yeah. And then worry about the stuff. And you're not expecting a lot of offense from Ian Cole anyways. But the other couple of moments, again, it's it's so minor because it's just – it's. He's been playing all season on the left and a couple of games on the right. There were just a couple of moments when maybe the the deep air um, when Cole's on the right and Zdorov out there, that they kind of got put on the same side. And It's just like how they're rotating from behind the net into the front of the net and sides they take. It's like small stuff like that. It, certainly trust Ian Cole to kind of figure it out if he got a long stretch of games and just be more familiar with that. But by and large, like I, I really liked his game again tonight. Just a couple of subtle passes and he just looks so comfortable on the left, and it just gives you such stability uh, on that side, too. It certainly has. Now, the drawbacks are,
2: defensively, Carson Soucy has been an absolute monster. Mm-hmm. And how good he is at, at clearing space, but he gets to puck so quickly, so good with his stick. And one of the more impressive things about him, and he's not this, you know, high-end puck mover, but he, he doesn't really... Get stressed out Like once he gets Pressures on him He can still make The simple play And he never try something Too fancy like, he, knows, I, I, he, he very much knows What he is And what he can do And he stays within that
4: And I think when we say Simple plays We talk about Okay like when the puck's there Just hit the first pass And like Let someone else Take the burden Of the playmaking ability It's, it's not even just that It's that He's Extremely willing To take on Four checkers And I don't mean Skating up the ice Like he in- almost invites them Into his personal space and says, like, my reach is just so large, you're not going to come close to the puck. And he takes on the first four-checker and just slides it to someone else, and suddenly that four-checker's out of the play. And now you got someone playing with speed. Like We've seen a lot of reverses behind the net to Tyler Myers, and now he can play with an open uh, lane to skate into or just hitting a forward. He's willing to do like uh, high-leverage stuff really simply because he, just, he, he plays fast. He knows what yeah. he's doing before he has to go make the play. And that reek just is always a factor uh, when Carson Soucy has the puck.
2: Yeah, he certainly has been. And a uh, real nice addition to the team. Unfortunately, injured out five to six weeks. Noel Jules and Drew back into the lineup here tonight in a 2 nothing Canucks victory. Thatcher Demko with the shutout, his fifth on the season. Sixth so far for the team. Casey Smith getting the other shutout. Uh, before we go back to more text messages, let's take one more phone call. Let's go to North Van where we have Stewart on the line. Stewart, thanks for calling in. Now, what are your thoughts tonight?
9: Hey, gentlemen. I hope your evenings are going well. Thanks for uh, taking the call as always. Appreciate it.
2: No, always. Thank you.
9: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's – I'm just going to preface this with I'm still taking every game and every victory at just one game at a time because, you know, we're still in that mode of being Canucks fans in Vancouver where half the team are talking PDO and talking about all this and all that. Others are already literally – you know, camping out for their spot on Georgia for the parade. So let's just dial it back. Let's just make it realistic here. And looking at the standings, looking at some of the recent out-of-town scores, we're starting to see the chessboard on the table and the pieces are starting to be put there. And what I mean by that is the past now, how the West is shaping up. I mean, the dynamic in the Pacific has changed fundamentally post-holidays. You know, the Oilers, are they ever going to lose again? Meanwhile, you've got the Kings potentially losing tonight to the Sharks. The Preds are in free fall. Uh, Knights in overtime loss. Jets lose. So, I mean, the way it's matching up here, if things kind of remain at this pace, it's looking like we're getting, you know, first or second wild card. And at this point, the way that all the guys are playing, you know, it's everyone. It, honestly, like, just in hyperbole, this has that feeling of a team that was 2011, where top to the bottom line, it's not even a bottom line. It's just a solid core, a good energy line. No one's dogging it. No one's half-assing it. Everyone's pulling their weight. If there was a year to go all in, it has to be this year. Because realistically, we know, guys, with the contracts upcoming, the extensions, the money that people will get paid. I don't care if you're Pedersen or Zadorov, You will be making more money than you are right now we won't have this same team in 2025, 6, 7. So you, you got to go all in. And, I mean, you look at tonight with Demco, you look like uh, the brick wall in Wayne Gretzky's 3D hockey for the 64. Like, he was just – there was a moment, sorry, in the last game against Toronto where he was so pissed at himself in the second when he let in those three goals. You could see through his mask, he was just burning on fire. And you see Hughes making his stick reduce to just a couple twigs. Miller's always fired up. This is what you want to see. This is what the Canucks have been lacking for a decade or the better part of it. You can see they care. They want it. And this is something that's so refreshing. Again, I'm taking a game at a time, but at the same time, you have to think, are we going to get a better chance than this spring to make an actual run? And I'm going to hang up. Thank you, guys. I want to hear what you guys want to say.
2: Hey, thanks for the phone call. Uh, That is Stuart calling in from North Van. And, I mean, I don't think he's wrong in terms of – If you want to truly be able to contend, you have to add a little bit more. I think the team is aware of that. They've talked about that. And I think based on everything we had Jim Rutherford tell us on Canuck Central last week, if you missed the interview, you can check it out. He essentially said, we're not going to be afraid of making the team better. He said, there's always a risk when you make a trade for a team that's going well. There's also maybe a bigger risk to not do anything if you're not adding to the group. And he... Wasn't too afraid of sharing his thoughts of trading draft picks, potentially. Doesn't want to trade his you know top prospects, but understands they may have to trade a good prospect to get better. So I think the organization, the team, is very much in the mode of we got to take advantage of what we have. We can get a bit better, and if we get a bit better, maybe just maybe we give ourselves a really good opportunity once the playoffs come around. And we'll get into some of the trade stuff a bit more as the show goes on, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have questions about that. But uh, I, I don't think Stewart's wrong in his assessment that this is a this is the type of year where not to say you trade everything for rentals, but you have to give yourself a, a you have to give yourself a couple of additions yeah. so you can really take advantage of what you got going right now.
4: So I, I think when we talk about trades and and at this time of the year, people like to use the phrase all in. I I don't view it at least the the, the trades that I have in my mind of what they should go target don't strike me as all in moves. If if you're giving up a lot for rentals, then those are all-ins, okay? But if you're doing something that also helps the long-term sustainability that you get someone that a you can sign or someone that's young and kind of fits in the age range, those to me aren't all-in moves. That helps you extend your window. So it's very important of like not just the cost of what they give up. But the style of trade that they make If they go get a 25 year old guy Who's going to be an RFA this season Then that's perfect, that that doesn't strike me as all in Because it's also giving yourself a chance Next year as well and beyond So the type of move to me is more interesting Than the cost of what they give up
2: Yeah, absolutely, uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox 65650 650. Uh, What are the people saying here before we get to break
4: Yeah, into the Dunbar Lumber text message Inbox Uh, 650, 650. uh This one Uh uh, Timmy, the turnover. Uh, better sound soundbite: Yannick Hansen or Ian Cole? I'm not sure if I can make that choice. That's 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 really good.
2: Yannick Hansen, Ian Cole. That's that's really good. I mean,
4: l- let's They're go both, with Yannick because uh...
2: right, Yannick is focused on the job, and Ian Cole is, you know, he's got <laughs> kind of distracted by being sure. a National Hockey League player. <laughs>
4: Yannick, by the way, tomorrow on the People's Show uh, on Tuesdays. Uh, this one, I, f- I hope the first line takes a long look in the mirror. They just weren't good enough tonight. Uh, where's Besser been? No production for a few games. Uh, and this one, Canucks played hockey tonight. Canucks won hockey tonight. The hockey is complete for the night. The Canucks are in first for the night. Good night. Good. No,
2: that's very good. And this one, Hockey Sports Pod. A brilliant marketing by the league to make sure that Connor Berdard and Macklin Sellegrini can make their Vancouver homecoming debuts on the same night for the Blackhawks next season let's <laughs> see what you did there, Hockey Sports Pod All right. uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox you can also grab a phone line 604-280-0650 or toll free, 1-888-275-0650 it's Satyar Shaw with Bick Nazar Canucks win 2 nothing over the Chicago Blackhawks and this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the number 5 orange a Vancouver legend, they've got sports too more, more coming up on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650
10: catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning be sure to subscribe and download the show on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
0: this is where you talk Canucks you're listening to the Canucks central post game show on the official home of the Canucks sportsnet 650 and the sportsnet radio network
1: into the Blackhawks' zone. Left wing for Noah Julson, Long backhand or right wide of the net. Comes to Kuzmenko. Bottom of the right circle. Fake to shot. Cuts behind the net. Around the left wing side. Backhand spin around. A pass to Suter. He scores! An unbelievable pass from Andre Kuzmenko. Lands right on the tape of Pugh Suter. And the Canucks lead one to nothing before the two-minute mark of the first period.
2: Canucks win two nothing. That is your first goal of the game, and that is tonight's play of the game. Brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire. Langley Suter getting it. A nice feed by Andre Kuzmenko and Noah Julson getting the second assist on that play as well. And uh, it's the play that really got the crowd buzzing about around Andre Kuzmenko and uh, and how lively of a game he had here tonight. And it's one of those like magic Kuzmenko moments we haven't seen enough of, and he did a really nice job of of, of attacking the game and making a nice play to Pew Suterbeck.
4: Yeah, it, it's a play... It, it's a style of play I think Andre Kuzmenko even wants to do, right? He's a playmaker more than, I think, a shooter and a goal scorer. Even though he put up 39 last year, I know, but you, you see him try to create and draws two guys, three guys in, into the area and away from Pew Suter and uh, spins that backhand pass over to him, and you know he, he he can be creative. It just at times it can just be too much, or he tries to do too much and doesn't uh, get plays off quick enough. But certainly on that one, uh, find Suter perfectly for his 100th NHL point for Pew Suter.
2: Yeah, uh, uh, Pew Suter, fantastic play by him to finish that play off, and he's been such a nice find for this team. And I thought that line, the kuzmenko mikheyev uh, Suter line was the Canucks' most effective line, especially for the mm-hmm. first half of the game. And Suter had a couple of other ch- opportunities to score, one in the third period, but especially one uh, in that first period, a great chance with a good feed from Mikheyev. So that line was buzzing, and they got the game-winning goal. Made it one nothing at the time. Andre Kuzmenko, 2-pew Suter. And that is a play of the game brought to you by Delaney's OK Tire Langley. Drive through winter with confidence by switching to Toyo Tires, making tires for your road. Visit Delaney's OK Tire today on Fraser Highway in Langley. It's Satyar Shaw with Big Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming in to our Dunbar number text inbox 650, 650. A lot of reaction on the text inbox and uh, people excited about what they saw here tonight and also some questions about what's going on. Johnny Bubla, is 68 points even real? does kind of feel like it's, it's, it's not real, but it is. 47 games in, the Canucks have 68 points on the campaign.
4: Yeah, with the Winnipeg Jets uh, losing 4-1 to Boston, uh, they create some distance and pass them in points percentage, uh, the Winnipeg Jets, but they don't pass Boston in points percentage. They got 68, Boston got 67, uh, 723 for the Canucks, 728 for Boston. Yeah. So, however you want to look at it, you're right.
2: Yes. Yeah. hey, The most points, point percentage. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. regardless, the Canucks at the very top of the Western Conference standings uh, at the very least.
4: And we're keeping an eye on San Jose, LA, because that one's gone to overtime, so... Uh, maybe a, a big night, because Vegas lost in overtime as well. So on the out-of-town scoreboard, could be a big night for Vancouver.
2: Yes, uh, it certainly could be. Uh, and uh, we'll see what happens by the end of this evening. All right, I'll keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox. We are going to get to the thoughts of the head coach, Rick, talking in a moment. But let's go to the phone boards. and take one more phone call. Let's go to Aiden in Nanaimo. Aiden, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight?
6: Hey, how's it going tonight, boys? Excellent. Uh, yeah, so Thatcher Demco stood on his head this game. He really did. He saved tonight. I think he did. Um, the Canucks did play good, but Thatcher Demko saved tonight. And that's what I want to talk about. Um, it's Thatcher Demko tonight. I want to go off on him a little bit and just say he's, he's ha- taking the Canucks' historic season right now because we all got to admit, Canucks ha- are having a historic season. I would have never thought that in... Like sixty one percent in the season or whatever, the Canucks would be first in the first in the league. It's absolutely insane. But I like without Thatcher Demko in net, I think they would be they would still be good, but they wouldn't be as good as they are right now. Thatcher Demko has been really really good, and he's got five shutouts on the season, and he's just playing at a miraculous level. He's playing like he's playing like a goaltender should be, he's ha- he's hanging the Canucks in there, he's making making it so they can win hard games, easy games and stuff, right? I don't think it was an easy game for the Canucks tonight, I really don't. They played Chicago, Chicago's not a very good team in the league, and they struggled, I really think they struggled tonight, um, but you know what, two points is two points, even though they couldn't, or that they still capitalized and won. I think the only reason they won is Satra Demko tonight. Um, Anyways, um, one more thing that I want to mention is I don't know how the playoffs are going to pan out because there is a lot of more hockey to be played. There's another, what, 30, 35 games. Anything could happen. Um look at Edmonton they're just climbing the standings. They're just on a hot streak right now. So we just got to keep winning games. Got to be critical. Got to move the puck around, got to just be a team sport. Like Canucks have been doing a very good job of it so far. Just keep up the road and then when the playoffs do start, they got to start fresh. They got to reset their minds and they can go from there. Yeah. I think that's hey- Hey, thanks for the phone call.
2: That is Aiden and Imo calling in. Now keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox six fifty six fifty, courtesy of Dunbar Lumber, and we'll get to more of your thoughts. But it's time to hear from the head coach. Canucks went two nothing against the Blackhawks here at Rogers Arena, and here is Rick Tockett talking about the type of game it was
11: tonight. Yeah, it was really quiet, you know, in the sense that, uh, the Denver's solid as hell, you know, and uh, you know we got the two goal lead to kind of just kind of a little prevent defense and won the game two nothing. You talk about Thatcher,
12: just about his play this year. He's obviously been great in this building, and we talked to Quinn moments ago, and he talked about the pride that the guys have playing better defensively in front of him to make it easier on him than maybe it has been in past years. Is that how you sort of <clears throat> see it as well?
11: Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we try to, you know, buy into the defensive system. You know, we're going to have our breakdowns and stuff like that, but yeah, most of the guys have bought into the structure of it. We talked this morning about Suter, Kuzmenko, Mikheyev, Playing more connected.
12: Did you see that from them? Them playing connected. That tri- those triangles in the offense. Yeah,
11: line? yeah. There's more triangles. You know, a little more holding on to pucks. Um, they were closer together. Even if a guy lost it, there was another guy there to pick the, the loose puck up. Um, so hopefully that's a good start. You know, they they did a lot of video session the last couple of days, um, and I think it worked for them. Is it sort of a vote of confidence, getting them out there in the final minute to
12: defend the lead? Not a position that. You know Kuzmenko especially has been used in this year.
11: Yeah, I just want to give it. You know, I wanted him to understand, like you know, this last minute, see how he reacted. You know, how he went through the neutral zone. Um, you know, he did a good job surfing the guy really fast. You know, I, I think maybe that'll give him confidence, knowing that if he does that, not so much he'll get on the ice that it works. And I, I saw him a little bit of a little pep there on that when he surfed over that guy. It was actually something that we've talked about. Team obviously started really well. How would you assess the, the second and third? You know, the, the Chicago's, I, I mean, I, Luke, I'm, Luke Richards is one my favorite teammate i played with. I, I love that, you know, and he's had more injuries than anybody, and, the, and they work hard. Their team works hard. You know, I thought, uh, I thought we were just okay. I think it was like we got the two goals, and I think we just kind of coasted it in. You know, it's good to grab the two points, but, I, you know, it wasn't a pretty game for us. You also seem to roll everybody uh, at, at five on five, maybe more than in other games. What led to that? Um, well, I just thought, well, I thought the almond, and almond, I thought Suter, they deserve the ice time. And, uh, and I thought Teddy's line played better the second half. So, um, you know, I didn't have to overplay the lines. I, you know, I wanted to, some guys deserve more ice time. Top line, better, worse, same? Yeah, they were just, you know, they were just okay. You know, I, um, you know, they got, they were just okay.
8: So a game like this, Rick under the circumstances as a coach. Yeah. Do you just feel relief uh, at this point that you got through the game and you want, or like, what, what, because I know you would want a little better from your team generally. Yeah, I I think
11: there's a lot of motion the last couple of weeks, three weeks to travel. And I think, you know, sometimes you have these games and you're trying to, you know, you want, that's where you rely on your, your, you know, the Hoglanders or Almonds and the younger guys to give you juice. And I thought they did. So, and then, you know, when you have a guy like Demmer who's who's rock solid for us, you take the two points. You know, and uh, you you take the pauses out, out of it. You know, it's you know, it's two points. And it's hard to believe as good as he's as he's been. He only had three shutouts
8: before the season. He's got five now yeah. this season. Yeah. Do you see that as a as a team reflection, a team partly a team stat that you're able to?
11: Yeah. I, I, listen. I mean, obviously, it's when, you know it's always a team. When you get a show, it's a team thing. But obviously. You know, he's a huge, you know, he's the huge part of it. But uh, I love when you, get. you know, I love shutouts. I'd rather win 2 nothing than 8-4 any day of the week. I love to, uh, you know, because it it gets you in the game. It means that you're, you know, you're tracking. You're doing the right things. Uh, most times when you get a shutout, um, not how many shots out on net, but, you know, you know, you don't like when there's 45, like, or, or I, I don't care about the shots. I should say great eight chances. That's what drives us nuts when you give teams great A chances, but I thought um for me shutouts outs for you know it I love shutouts, it's especially for how hard uh, Denver works you know you especially the last five, you want to get that shutout out for him
7: Rick, you talked so much about your team being connected that um, too many men on the yeah, he's penalty in the second was that an example of kind of being disconnected on some levels tonight
11: well no it's... um the puck was at the hash, you know, R.D. can't change. And I, I think Misey Jump, it was, it was kind of a, you know, the brain, you know, the word I'm going to say, by, by three guys. Yeah, you, can't, you cannot change when the puck's at the hash mark. So it was kind of a, yeah. But, yeah, you can't do it. You know, you know we've had two, we actually haven't had one in a while. We had a bunch there, what was it, a month ago? So hopefully it doesn't become a, a trend again.
12: What did you make of Juleson coming back
11: in tonight? And how he I thought Jules early was a little struggle. That that shouldn't say struggle. He was just, but it was unexpected. And then I thought he settled in. You know, he's a, he does a good job under penalty kill. And I think he was rock solid. You know, to sit out 4-5, you know, whatever, he sat out. Uh, and when he was playing well, it's tough. So I, I really liked his second half of the game. I would give him a lot of credit. How about the penalty kill overall tonight? Just
12: continues to build confidence and keep rolling here.
11: Yeah, I think, I don't know where we are the last 60, but if we'll give up three or four goals. Yeah, I think we're getting some good pairs together. Um, and, I, you know, obviously you're getting good saves, but I think the structure's been pretty good. How about the power play? Yeah, just a little stagnant again, you know, not attacking. You know, It's just a little bit slow. And uh, we just, you know, we got to figure this out quickly because, uh, you know, yesterday, I mean, the last game, it helped because we attacked the net. But for some reason, we're looking for the pretty play. So it's it's a it's a mental it's concepts it's it's not plays. Speaking of attacking the net, Quinn yeah. Hughes scores that goal at
12: yeah. short side yeah. shelf. Have you seen a defenseman able to shoot the puck like that? Because it seems like he really shoots like a forward now, where previously he didn't have that in his arsenal.
11: That worked this summer, though. He was he worked. Uh, I mean, he was skating with his brothers in July. I remember talking to him, and he he told me he was working on. The, the, the kind of the push and then pull it. And uh, he's had, about I think, about five of those goals in that same spot on that top shelf, short side. It's probably the hardest shot in hockey to hit, you know, um, to hit that short side. He's hit five of them. You know, some guys take three years to hit that, and he's had five this year. So, yeah, that's a, that's a credit for him working how hard he worked in the summer on a shot. His shots, I bet you it's about 10 or 15 miles more harder than it was last year. So that's a credit to him.
2: That is Canucks head coach Rick Tocchet after a two nothing win over the Chicago Blackhawks, and and mentioned the game was very quiet, not much going on there for, for you know uh, either team really, but. You're not going to be overly up, uh, upset about it, especially when you ensure the team gets a shutout. I know Aiden mentioned if it wasn't for Dempo, they would have lost this game. I mean, I can only think of like two or three real quality scoring chances. The Blackwell one when he comes in in alone at the end of the second period. A couple of chances here the and radish. there, the Radish one. But there wasn't like there was no onslaught of chances. And even by natural statric, I think they had the high danger scoring chances at five on five, eight in favor of eight for Chicago, fifteen for the Canucks. That
4: seems like a lot the
2: Canucks. Canucks, yeah. I mean, yeah. My, hey, it's very loose. You know, yeah. don't, You know, it's not gospel here. Just you know, take it for what it's worth. But it never felt to me. Yeah. And I think that's what the coach was happy about. You're happy anytime you get a shutout. And despite the fact it was a quiet kind of, you know, calm game, at no point did it really feel like the Canucks were coming undone.
4: Yeah, they were in control. And we've had a couple of texts even come in tonight. Be like, hey, they got out shot tonight. This is a recurring train. You just heard it there from Rick Talkett as well. He doesn't care about the shots. Like the, the actual shot count it's, it's not something that they value, and they look at and say, this is the thing that's reflective of the scoring. They're, they're trying to check the scoring chances. And w- what what are you creating when you possess the puck? That, mm. That's far more the concern uh, for Rick Tock and the rest of the coaching staff. staff. So w- w- when you text in, we've seen these texts over the last couple of weeks here, of, oh, they got outshot again. Uh, I think you just heard from the coach that it, it's not something that they really – Put stock into of just the raw shot total.
2: Well, and that's something you shouldn't worry about too mm-hmm. much, especially when the shots come from the outside. And if you're forcing a lot of shots from the outside for the most part, I think you'll live with that. What you don't want to do is be in a situation where you're really under duress for a large portion of a game. But uh, did you have did anything else stand out from head coach well, just, Rick Tockett's thoughts? You know,
4: highlighting the depth players deserve their ice time, and and there's a couple of thoughts even coming on uh, you know the the Lotto line. Um, someone's just catching up on the game, watching it on PVR. Uh, Miller had a tough night. Bob with the puck, bad passing and turnovers. What are your guys' thoughts? And, yeah, it's something we mentioned throughout the course of the evening. I, I just thought the lottery line really struggled. And JT took a lot of short shifts tonight. Yes. Uh, we can, you can go through them 19 seconds, 29 seconds, 16 seconds, 39 seconds, 19 seconds, 30 seconds, 29 throughout the course of the evening. He had a 17-second shift at one point. Uh, so, whether it was by design and trying to get off, or if he was battling something and just wasn't feeling uh, totally 100, you know, he was quick to get off the ice today, and he only ends up playing 14:36 uh, this evening. So it, it was a light night for him, but certainly, you know, with the way the game was going, with the early lead and everything, uh, Rick Tocchet felt like he could li- uh, rely on the depth. So uh, those guys got their opportunities, and he, he mentioned those Hoglander as well. Uh, he only ends up at 10:08. Yeah,
2: n- not a ton. I mean, but, but
4: some other guys you know, obviously, um, you know, got more ice time.
2: But. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's one of those things that we're again. I, I'm not saying give Niels under 15, 16 minutes of ice time, but when I hear the coach say I trust him and he throws him out here, he had him out mm-hmm. for the last minute a couple games ago. If you never get past like 10, 11 minutes, like how much trust is there truly there, or are they just trying to keep him where he's at? You know what I mean? That's one thing I wonder about because I hear what they say about him. But mm-hmm. in terms of the usage, it still remained pretty consistent for what it was earlier this season. The
4: TOI does
2: not lie. It has not. No, it has Oh, hasn't. that rhymed. That does run. That's good. That's that. good. Not bad for a moron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic stuff on the text inbox, 650-650. And Marcus and Gibson's had this question, and it's about the blue line, because you saw um, Noah Juleson get back in there mm-hmm. again. But... Do you think Talkett will rotate in a seventh defenseman with Soucy out? when we see someone like Friedman get into a game or two? Friedman just got back from a conditioning assignment with mm-hmm. the Abbotsford Canucks. He is their seventh defenseman now. I don't think that they feel as confident in Friedman as they felt in Noah Juleson that they want to get him into a game. But at some point, if he's going to be your seventh defenseman, like he, they may have to use him at some stage. I just don't think you're going to try to get you're, you're doing anything to get him into a game. I think it's, but he hasn't played since
4: uh, since uh, Zodorov has arrived. Yeah, I
2: mean, the, it, it was.
4: Uh, I'm just trying to bring it up here. I think it was November.
2: It's been a long time. It's been a very long time. That's why he had to go through the conditioning assignment, play with the absolutely Canucks for a couple of it games. It was
4: November 30th.
2: It's been a long time, so I, I don't think they're going to try to get him in. I think it'll just be dependent on health at this point. I don't think they feel as confident in Friedman, and even towards the end, before they got off, there were games where he was playing like ten minutes, eleven minutes, and his his minutes yeah. were really being reduced. He,
4: he played eight fifty seven one game.
2: Yeah, so I get the question, and there is a legitimate question to be had about the depth behind these guys, and we'll get to the trade deadline stuff here because people are you know wondering so about you know what's going on here with the Vancouver Canucks, and for all the talk about a forward, what type of defenseman do you think they might be looking at outside of a depth defenseman potentially? It's all dependent on cap space, I get mm-hmm. it. But I could see them, if they're not going to be able to, say, go after a tan of type, I could see them adding another depth guy that upgrades on Friedman. So, you know, if, if things happen in the playoffs, you have somebody you trust a bit more than Mark Friedman.
4: Yeah, you don't want to be one injury away from Mark Friedman. Yeah. Which is, again, like, it, it's... No, we're not... We're it's, ta- we're, it's not about him. It's just, like, it's go time, right? Like, if, if you're actually going to the playoffs, you want to make sure every base is covered. And you want to make sure you're as loaded up as possible. It's just protecting yourself. That's all it is. Mm -hmm. Well,
2: you need to have depth. Why why wouldn't you want to have a little bit of depth, right? And if you're in a position where you're number eight defenseman, someone that can play on a third pair on many teams in the league, then, like, hey, Mm -hmm. now injuries happen. That's how you survive over a long playoff. And that's what we're looking at here now. It's about this team... What can they do come the postseason? It's not just about happy to be there, happy to maybe win a round. It's like, how much damage can this team do? Mm-hmm. And if you're pursuing that, then every area of your roster that can be upgraded, you have to consider it. Uh, all right, Bic. Uh, what else is on the text inbox here before we take a phone call? Six
4: fifty, six fifty. 650, 650 um, Which one do you want to read here? Uh a, a a few uh time to dismantle the lotto lines.
13: Yeah,
2: this one uh, from tonight. Pierre. Yeah. Uh lotto reunite AP40 with the Russians.
4: Yeah, Shervin uh, also texted in from DT. Uh time to break up the lotto line Put Kuzmenko with some higher quality talent. It it, it I, I think it's fair for a lot of people to say like hey, they really weren't good tonight because they absolutely weren't. I use the phrase uh they played with their food. Yeah uh, I, I think but that's a statement About the team tonight Not but so much
2: that line just More specifically that line But I wonder like you mentioned Was JT right He kept his sh- yeah. shift so short And he played How many minutes does JT 14. play tonight 14 yeah. It's one of those things Where was he maybe Not feeling 100% Like it just seemed like His energy level Wasn't mm-hmm. there for JT But I don't disagree They didn't really play All that great tonight As, as a line And it's but been it, a it's, few it's games been, Five been, on five
4: it's, it's been going on For a few games You and I were joking It, it, it feels like they Like knew they were Going to get broken up So this is the last time They're hanging out <laughs> It's like you're at the park and, and your significant other does something, it's
2: like, ugh. it's like, don't you say know, anything, you know. Like, I,
4: I'm not going to break up tonight, but maybe in a couple of the days from now, like
2: Monday is going to be the day. I got to get through the weekend, sleep on that
4: decision, you know. It, it just <laughs> they, like they do something at a treat a server wrong, right? You're out to dinner, it's like oh, I'm not going to break up tonight. You but know, like, I'm just not
2: going to do that, that's. this is the reason why, though. This is the reason why that
4: was the ick. That, <laughs> that was like <laughs> I saw an ick, and it's like, oh, I'm out, I'm
2: out. Are you saying Patterson or JT saw an ick? <laughs> From one of the guys, and they're like, you know, what?
4: or or Rick Tockett saw an ick, and he's like, guys, like this is the last game. This is it the last just, game. I, I saw an ick. There's something you. Saw. I mean, I, I'm sure we've all, you know, had a significant other that like uh, a partner that uh, you know, claps on an airplane when it lands. And you're just like, really? You yeah.
2: Why you're Clapping? They did their job. <laughs>
4: People do that. They, they clap on the airplane. It's like, oh.
2: I will say, if it's been a, like, a bumpy ride and you you land, you're like, you know what? Okay, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> sure. I feel good. Some
4: people. <laughs> some. Lena, do you uh, clap on the airplane, lads? No. She's big no.
2: She's like big no. 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 It's, big. It's,
4: it's, if you saw that, would be an ick? Major ick. Yeah, major
2: ick. Major ick. Ik, major
4: ick. Yeah. You're, you're talking to a, a headset that doesn't have a mic. I know, but that's not oh. She's too busy. I, I can, I can, I can, we can put you up. Hey, here you go. Yeah. Put the headset on. What's a big like red flag ick? Ooh. In like everyday life, yeah.
5: People leaving the bathroom without washing their hands. Oh, no, uh, yeah, I mean, of, yeah, yeah, of, of course, yeah, of course, yeah, of
4: course, of course. That's a big ick. Yeah, big especially
2: ik. nowadays, yeah. what we know about germs now. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one.
4: What are the hockey icks?
2: Oh, uh, stay on for too long. That's got to be like the oh, biggest yeah. one. Like, hey, everybody else changes, but your guy is Minute still out there.
4: Shift. It's like ick.
2: Uh, uh. Andre Kuzmenko Krusman- <laughs> before his come to Jesus moment. What about tape jobs?
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that can be an ick. It can be an ick. Like uh, all messed up, raggedy tape yeah. jobs. Yeah. like the Pasternak one. It's like, oh, Louise well, he's. I mean, Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> like
2: Pasternak can put like one. Tyler
8: Batuzzi's.
4: Yeah. No, uh, maybe
2: that's why he's not working in
13: Toronto. <laughs> Oof.
4: <laughs> not. Uh, you know, working the bench, not opening the gate, the door. That's an ick.
2: Yeah, that's that is a big a bit ick. Of ick. Small ick. Yeah. yeah. Tiny ick. All right. Uh, keep your not thoughts. Not blocking <laughs> shots. Flamingoing? <laughs> right. Not, not, not everybody's on board, though. This one says, Pierre, uh, that is blasphemy. Keep the lotto line together. Do not break up the lotto line. So some are still truthers. The lotto line truthers still believe that line should stay intact. All right, let's take one more phone call. We're, we're going to get to more Canucks reaction, player reaction, and we'll talk about the trade suggestions and questions people have as well. But let's go to Vancouver where we have Justin on the line. Justin, thanks for calling in. Uh, what are your thoughts tonight? Hey, boys. How's it going? Do, going well, Excellent. man.
14: Uh, I got two things I want to touch on. First, being um, Kuzmenko and uh, the trade deadline. Um, Just like talking about Kuzmenko, you know he's coming off like whatever he had like forty something goals or whatever it was last year, and then you have everybody talking about, oh yeah, let's trade him, whatever this and that. I think people always like so quick to forget that it's essentially his like sophomore season in the NHL, sophomore slump, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not convinced that it's a correct move or move to trade him at the deadline considering the player that we want and the assets it's going to take to get that player pretty much probably is most likely going to be a rental because of our cap issues so i like your thoughts on that and the second thing I want to touch on is like the absolute like idiocy and fickleness of the fans in this fan base and the reason I say that is because listening to the post game on the way home from the game I was actually there and I hear some guy talking about the lotto line needs to look themselves in the mirror So I hear that. And that's coming off of a stretch where they probably potted like, what was it? 35 points across like six games or something. And also contributed two goals. The last game that basically won us the game against the Leafs. So, I mean, you guys don't have to comment that. Just something I wanted to uh, throw out there and, uh, Thanks for
2: taking my call. Hey, you got it. Uh, thanks for the phone call. Some passion there, you know, saying, you know, Justin saying the people that are are asking for too much, being overly critical here mm-hmm. of the log line. Is,
4: as far as the Kosminko thing goes, um, it, it's really just about because like this team's going to the playoffs and they've been one of the better teams this season. It, it comes down to like, do you trust this guy to play a certain way come playoff time? Because if, if you're not getting this, the, the the simple stuff right of like shift length times and chipping the puck out. How how many times do you see in the playoffs a puck that doesn't get out of the zone ends up in the back of the net and it just buries a team for the game? It's it's stuff like that. It's it, I, I don't have the percentage rates on what Andre Kuzmenko does as far as getting that puck out. I'd be willing to bet it's pretty low. And so it's it's that sort of stuff that yes, he's a he's a skilled, fantastic player and a real NHL player. This isn't like I, I heard someone today talking about like Nikolai Goldobin. This isn't that okay. He Belongs in the NHL and he's got real traits that should keep him in the NHL for some time. And even Jim Rutherford mentioned, okay, in another NHL city. But it's it's that it's come playoff time. What's your trust level? It's not about the talent. It's about in the playoffs when you need a big play of and, and not even a goal, just the, the the smart stuff. Does he check those boxes for you? And I I don't know if he checks this enough right now. And and he's got to show it for a stretch of time.
2: Yeah, no, I, I'm there with you. And I think overall, too, for all the questions and the comments about they want the team to improve. And we'll talk about this on the other side here. A lot of people are asking about trades and how can the Canucks improve their team. There aren't many ways this team can improve without sending money out. We'll walk you through that. We'll talk about uh, what the Canucks might be looking to do to improve the team heading into the trade deadline, and also we we'll hear from Canucks players post game after a two nothing victory over the Chicago Blackhawks here at Rogers Arena. It's Shaw with Bik Nazar, and this is the Canucks Central post game show presented by the Number Five Orange. So the game is over, but is your night really done? and Number Five is open. More coming up on the home of your Canucks sportsnet six fifty
10: talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drantz. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is the Canucks Central Postgame Show. Join the discussion on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Manko from his knees digs it free to McKayev left corner. William Mikheyev for Queen Hughes, left wing with a lane to the net. He scores! An absolute laser beam from the Vancouver captain who's got his 12th of the year, and it's 2-0, Canucks.
2: And that is the final score. Canucks 2-0 over the Chicago Blackhawks here at Rogers Arena. And this is the Canuck Central Post Game Show, presented by the Number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. 650-650 uh, is our Dunbar Lumber text inbox. 604-280-0650 or toll-free. 275 650 Those are the numbers to call. Uh, a lot of stuff to get into. Uh, we also have some Ix people tweeting at us well and texting done. in yeah. and uh, Hamid Shaky on Twitter says hockey ick what, what happened by Letang and Malkin in the Pittsburgh versus Arizona game <laughs> yeah that's about as icky as it gets uh, in the National own Hockey goal. League own goal on a delayed penalty call Yeah, like it's that's pretty much as bad as it gets It was a pass back from Latang to Malkin, was standing in front of his own goal, and he just misplays the puck. It goes in, and uh, a three-two game turns into a four-two game, and the next thing you know, they lose to the Coyotes. Quinn had a funny
4: moment today with the with the delayed call. He
2: did. Now it wasn't like he. It was a horizontal pass across the goal mouth, but it wasn't at the goal at the very least. But it was was very. It was adventurous. It didn't
4: go into the crease, I don't think, but it went right above the crease. Uh, But yeah, it was just kind of a funny moment. It it was confidence to pull that off. Yeah, it was very
2: adventurous. The moxie.
4: It was That's very it. adventurous. But uh, someone texted in Tyler Myers taking too many men penalties, uh, big ick. Uh, this one huge hockey ick. People who rock the uh, Gretzky tuck, jersey tuck.
2: Doesn't Quinn kind of on the
4: right side? No, well, well, he has
2: a, a back tuck. I think a little bit different. That's a side Gretzky yeah. tuck. But
4: yeah, sure.
2: Yeah, it's it's a ick. It's your ick. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you with is right in. or wrong. I, think, I think
4: that must be more for like rec league. Yes. I mean, if you're on the show, can
2: you guess what what mine is?
4: Your hockey ick. Yeah. Oh man. Um, no, I, I can't.
2: Short sticks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, oh,
4: I should have got, <laughs> got. that. You should have got that one. So you easy. Should have got
2: one. That was, that was a layup oh, for you. Oh man, I bombed the puck there on that one. Uh,
4: Short <laughs> sticks.
2: Just a joke. That's a joke. All right. Uh, keep your thoughts coming into our text inbox, six fifty six right. Tons of questions, okay, tons of stuff. comments on, on trade stuff, and um, I, I totally get it, right? Like, I, you know, fans are... And, you know, this is so much different than previous years mm-hmm. where people were like, talking about selling... Get and half, this
4: guy out of town! Yeah, and, and, then,
2: and then you had fans getting frustrated by that, like, well, why are we trading everybody on the team? But I think people can get behind the whole, hey, let's add to the team. Now, we were talking... Uh, we had a caller on the line a bit earlier... Um, just before we went to break, it was Justin in Vancouver. And he was mentioning um, about Kuzmenko and like, hey, maybe you shouldn't move him. He's a talented player. He's done this in the past. The thing is, if this team wants to improve, how many pathways do they have to improve without moving money off the roster? There are very few. Now, the the one way they could is exploiting LTIR space. Right now, with Carson Soucy out five to six weeks, you could say, okay, you know what, let's just make moves. He's going to be on IR when the deadline comes. And then we'll figure it out afterwards. Maybe another injury happens. Maybe Susie takes longer to come back. We can figure it out. That really comes down to how confident they are or what they feel like Susie's injury situation is and how confident they are playing it by chance. How likely do you think that is, that they just use the LTIR space they have to make moves without subtracting significantly from the roster? It seems unlikely, right? Yeah,
4: I, I feel like 15% is generous.
2: Yeah, and people mentioned, they're like, hey, this is what Tampa did. Now, they had injuries that, whether you agreed with it or not, they were des- designated rest-of-the-season injuries. They ain't
4: coming back yet. Yeah,
2: and now Kucherov came back early yeah. and practiced with the team and maybe could have been activated, sure. But when the injuries happened, it was until the end of the season, right? That's not the case with the Canucks injuries. That's why I don't think they'll go down that path. So let's say that they don't want to ex- you know, exploit LT- LTIR. You have
4: to... Uh- uh, plan for the contingency of getting the guy off LTIR. Exactly,
2: because you have to activate him at yeah. some point, right?
4: It's, it's too far away. If it was like a week, maybe you could fudge it, but it's, it's too far away. If he, was,
2: if, if he was out, honestly, six to eight weeks, because then it's like, hey, there's three months left in the season, you're two months into it. It still you, feels... It's still, but maybe, just maybe, you can yeah. maybe figure you can do... Again, so to those wondering, can you use LTIR? You can. It's complicated. That's the reason for it. So if you forget all that, the Canucks will have about $1.9 in space to play with right now. If they, you know, they subtract, they go with seven defensemen, they go with twelve forwards, and they add a, you know, another forward, they can get about one point nine in cap space to do so. But all the players that they're being linked to, Lindholm, significantly Genso, more
4: than one point nine.
2: Even if they retain half the salary, I think the closest one is Lindholm, which would be two point two five million, or two yeah two point two two point five two point two five million. So you're still about three hundred k short on trying to get Lindholm at half ret- retained.
4: Which is going to cost you more as well.
2: Exactly. The long, long story short is this. How are the Canucks going to get better at the deadline without subtracting from the roster? It's very difficult to do if they're trying to add a big player. So, for the talk about Kuzmenko, keep him, keep Kuzmenko, keep Hoglander. how are you going to get better if you don't move anybody? And I think that's something you have to you know, come to grips with here is, as much as you want to see trades happen, and I'm all for it, you have to understand there's going to be likely a player or two coming off this roster because there's no other way they can do it without taking money off their salary book.
4: Or, yeah, or you you wind up shopping in a market that is less inspiring, right? Like, bring bodies in, certainly, but not necessarily someone as high-end as a Jake Gensel. Yeah. And you just might have to live in a different uh, tax bracket to bring in some talent. Uh, and, you know, some names that you generally might not think of in general. Uh, but let's get to a couple of texts here of people's ideas here, that Sounds good. Uh, Sean from North Fan, put yourself in Patrick Alvine's shoes. All my focus is what does it take to pass Colorado and Edmonton? A big thought, uh, a big center to help with McDavid and Drysaddle. Is Boone Jenner that player? I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts.
2: Uh, I mean, Boone Jenner to me, I like Boone Jenner a lot. Now he's been injured mm-hmm. this season a lot too. I jaw really, injury? Jaw, and I need to know where his game's at, but he's a very solid player. Like he, mm-hmm. He's not a third-line center. Is he true second-line center? I guess you can talk yourself into him being a second-line center.
4: But I, if, if you saw Boone Jenner on a championship team, to me, it's a third-line center.
2: I would wouldn't necessarily like, like Nick
4: Paul when he went to Tampa Bay. It it just like okay that he's a nice player, but you you see the erosion of Tampa Bay for a couple of seasons now, and he's playing second line. When they went and acquired him, it's like fourth and third line.
2: So how much better do you think he is than Pew Suter?
4: Better, but here's the thing, and and there's a text coming in here as well, uh, just talking about like a Lindholm as second-line center. Is it going to be someone who drives a line on his own? The thought of keeping the lotto line together is nice, but having a legit center who can play at both ends would be huge for Petey or Miller and said players on on players on said lines gives you multiple options uh to load up not just the default lotto line So again, I really like Boone Jenner a great deal. Is he enough to dictate to drive a line if if you're shopping for a center, that's the thing you have to do. It's you're now taking someone to keep J.T. Miller on the wing. Is this person good enough to get the most out of Ilya Mikheyev? And in this scenario, I guess we're talking Andre Kuzmenko. Yeah,
2: but honestly, I'm not sure the goal of the team is going to be to keep the lotto line together for the playoffs.
4: I, I agree. So what but, I what but, I, what I think they would prefer, go on. But for the people texting and be like, hey, Boone Jenner or this guy, you have to ask yourself, is is that player good enough that an opposing coach, like we're just talking about McDavid and Dreisaitl. Is Chris Knobloch going to be scared to say, oh, I'll go dry side against Jenner? Sure. Now that, That's what you got to ask yourself.
2: So are you better off? I mean, w- to me, the thing I like about Lindholm is he gives you pers- positional versatility. And I think one of the things we've seen with this squad and how they've built it out, they love having guys that can play multiple positions. Pew mm-hmm. Shooters one, Lafferty's another one, of course. And even JT and Pedersen, both can play center, both, both can play wing. If you add another player that gives you that versatility, then you don't have to be beholden to... A certain set for your top six, mm-hmm. you know, maybe
4: now. Like again, Jenner could play the wing; he can. Yeah. Now,
2: I just think he's more natural, and I'm just not sure if Jenner fits with Pedersen's game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The only thing about Jenner that I like, not only thing, there are a lot of things about his game I like, but could you build out a true shutdown line with him? Potentially, you can do view it that way, right? And now you can get Garland and Dakota Joshua and Blueger against some more softer matchups, mm-hmm. your top line softer matchups. And then now you have, you have this like shutdown second line of guys that can really eat up the toughs. And maybe that's one way of, of going about it. But the other way across that to me is the pers- the positional versatility. The question though is, where does a team see it? Jake Gensel's name comes up a lot. If you're getting Jake Gensel, that means you're dedicated to splitting up the lotto line. And there's no recourse, right? Like, you could you could load them back up again, but you, now you don't have a, an option on your second line. Like, you're back to Pew Suter again. You're back to what you're seeing right now, which isn't necessarily bad, but that's where you're at. So, I just wonder if they'd rather get a player of Lindholm's caliber as opposed to, say, somebody who's a strict winger. I just wonder about that. Man,
4: those guys feel few and far between, though. And also, like you're going to be living in an acquisition price for Lindholm that I think is a aggressive, but b it's like okay that's like that's the move that I'm scared of. That it's a rental. He walks out. You just don't have you don't have enough assets. Well,
2: here's the thing then to to,
4: to get 35 games of or less than that of run out of of that acquisition price to me is is scary.
2: So, but if it's all the rentals are going to be the same though, there's no guarantee of you keeping any of them.
4: Right, no, of course
2: Yeah, and the problem is And we can talk about it, the guys that are under contract Boone Jenner's under contract mm-hmm. But how many of those, those guys are actually are available? available
4: And he's also their captain, by the way
2: oh, Yeah, exactly, um, and that we're usually an extra premium trade for that player Even if he is available
4: If if you're, you're, I'd just rather live in a rental market That's like, again, something far less inspiring
2: <sighs> But if it's far less inspiring, then what's the point of doing it?
4: Because you, you can't just be beholden to the price just be like, oh, uh, Lindholm's the only one that's available, so we have to go get him. No, no I'm not saying Lindholm necessarily, but I'm saying, like, who, who are you mentioning?
2: Just give me a name, though.
4: Like a less inspiring name? Yes. Again, they're, they're in a playoff spot. I'm just, like, keeping an eye on certain names. But, like, a Tommy Novak. Yeah. Okay. Tommy me no, He I'm can make a little 800K. Bit. 800K. And it's, it's probably not going to cost you uh, first and something. No. And, and to, to me, go
2: get him. to me, and you know, I brought his name up. 800K. Yeah. You know, probably not. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Him. Right. I, I don't mind that as much. He has some size. Can play in your power play. Can shoot the puck. Can play center. Can play wing. Okay. I don't mind
4: that necessarily.
2: There's another name you threw by me, and I was like so out on it before. Plays for the of Minnesota
4: Wild. Marcus uh, Johansson. Oh yeah. Okay. But that's like pure wing for me. Yeah. Right? But still, like but to me, that's if you get priced out of you know the. Certain winger market. I just don't for like a winghole well, market. What
2: we say though is this team needs another bonafide top end player to really hang. And sure. if you're adding something that's not a bonafide top, yeah, sure, you help your depth.
4: Bucinovic is a name we've mentioned. Okay, I don't right? mind Bucinovic. Again, I think he's a good player. It's going to cost you a lot because he's signed for another year. But at least if at you're trading if
2: you're trading a first for Bucinovic, at least you get yeah. two years out of it.
4: Yeah, and this is probably more the world I would want to live in because there's an extra year of viability. But like that's going to cost you a lot, and if you're squeamish to paying that price, is a Marcus Johansson who just you can play him in the wing, and it's like it, it's another viable body that comes in. It's it's it wouldn't be my first choice, right? But. You have to build out, okay, like, what is your dream house? What is the house we can afford? And what is the house we're probably going to land?
2: Well, absolutely. And, and this text here says people keep talking about a guy who's going to drive a line. Pedersen struggled relatively with McKay and Kuzmenko. How do you expect Boone Jenner or Lindholm to carry those guys? That's fair. But the way I'm viewing it is if you're adding Lindholm, you're having him play with Pedersen.
4: Yeah. And Miller goes back to
2: Miller stays with you know Miller Besser and whoever you want to put PDG. on that wing PDG or, or yeah I guess whenever you know, he's healthy
4: or McKeon or
2: yeah and, and I think that's going to be it now the thing with Lindholm is and like I mentioned it's about. Whether it's him, somebody who can play center and wing gives you the versatility that if you want to load up the lotto line, now you can have somebody else who's better than Suter playing on your mm-hmm. second line. But these are the types of things they're looking at. Vikingstad mentions Adam Henrique arguably does as much as the names you're we talking about. I like him. as a versatile player as well. But he's
4: also like on huge contracts.
2: Five five and change. Uh, 5.8? Something along those lines. Uh, so,
4: it, again, we're talking about he, moving money out. It's like, okay. But all
2: these guys are kind of similar price ranges. Yeah. They have to, I mean, unless the Canucks are trading Kuzmenko... They have to get teams to retain. And even with trading Kuzminenko, they may ask teams to retain so they can do multiple different things. And that means the price is going to cost even a bit more than what it is. But it gets a little bit complicated because if you look at Adam Henrique, he's a player that can do all those things. The price is what the question always comes down to for players like him. Uh,
4: 650, 650. Thoughts on like someone like uh, Sean Monahan from Qualicum yeah. Sparky.
2: So what Frank Valley today reported, they're asking for a first-round pick. And, and, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure Henrique, Henrique they're asking yeah. for first two. He's got 14 goals in 45 games, you know, on pace for almost, you know, 27 goals on a season. They're going to ask for a first-round pick. I'm not trading a first-round pick for Sean Monahan though. To me, Sean Monaghan is very much a third-line center, not a second-line center. If I'm going to give up a first-round pick, I'd rather do it for one of these rentals as opposed to Sean Monahan. I don't mind Monaghan, but if the ask is a first, I say uh, good luck and Godspeed.
4: Yeah, and to me, he just—he it feels like a luxury piece. Um, again, we're talking about driving a line, right? He—he'd be actually—he'd be really nice on the power play in that spot. Uh, that might have a hole for it right now, but is—are are you prepared to 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 pay that cost for someone um, that he, I don't think he's suited like a Teddy Bluger to play that role, and. Top six might be too big of an ask, so suddenly it's it's a big cost to acquire and what's the fit into your lineup? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm going to put Sean Monahan up against. No, like, I, I think William Carlson might shut him down.
2: Oh yeah, no, I'm not. So I, I, I think he's very much playing on a third line, not to yeah. play on a top six line. You know that's not how I how I view it for him. Uh, this text here: Drake Batherson, positional versatility, has some size, can play with PD. Sens might be willing to shake up their group, and he uh, and he wasn't a first round pick, so maybe they have a less attachment to him. They have a new management team, new owner, and when that happens. Anything is possible. Drake Batherson is on both of our lists, Pick. I think we're both very high on Drake Batherson.
4: He's not really a center. He's not a center. No, he's he's he can, a wing he can play both wings. He can but play that's both not the
2: w- versatility w- we're talking about. No, but he can play both wings. He's got size, he's got speed, he can score a little bit, he can play gritty. He's a type of forward this team is lacking on the wings. Like I'm a sure. big Drake Batherson fan. I'm just not sure he's gonna be available. And if Ottawa's trading, are they trading for draft picks and prospects? Or are they trying to find players that are
4: ready-made roster players?
2: To some degree. They, they want to get players that are professional, right? They want to get some, some veterans in there, guys that are good. And if you're not... I mean, Kuzmenko's not going to be the veteran that's going to go to Ottawa and teach the guys how to play the right way. So it's it's one of those things. So I'm... Um, I'm just not sure if Bathurston is available, but if he is, to the point, certainly the type of player that I would love to see on the wing in Vancouver.
4: 650-650. Uh, Jazzy, these options Bick is mentioning, all like McKay of 2.0, even a slightly better version of him, enough, is not enough to elevate the ceiling of this team other than Buchnevich are the ones you mentioned. Here's, yeah, look, it's, it's a tough market right now because of so many teams kind of in the mix, obviously. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's a mostly uninspiring list. I I readily admitting that like Marcus Johansson, not someone I would be like, "Oh man, what a great yeah. acquisition." It's just another functional real body. It, it'd be like you Suter. Yeah, like I know. He, he can play real hockey. Sure. I'm you don't have to put PDG in your top 6. No, that's, I'm that's just, a scenario.
2: And though. sure, and that gives you some depth, but I, to, to me it's like if you can't raise a ceiling of the team, I'm just like I I'm not saying it's no point to doing yeah. it. I'm just not I'm just to me it doesn't move the needle enough.
4: But I I'd rather Bargain shop for a boot, uh, for a Johansson Then pay the premium of a Vitrano. And like, they're both rentals. Oh, Vitrano, yes. But, but like, one sure. guy's having a career year, and, and that's a name that's like a credible name that's going to get brought up here a lot. But like, that one to me, it's like you're, you're, he's having a career year at age 30, and you're paying the premium because he's having a career, and also he's, he's signed for another year. So it's a benefit that he's signed for another year, but it's like, Ellenheim's going to be thrilled to move off of him. Yes. And that to me is like, that's a big worry. I'd, I'd rather just completely bargain shop than instead of the half measure. of the term I've used on someone like Vetrano, that's a half measure. It's, well, just it's like, like oh, get yeah. guy. So if you're just going to get a guy, just actually go bargain shop.
2: To me, it's I'd rather just... i just rather go and swing and miss on the big players than focus too much on the guys on the lower end. That's just the way I would view it in terms of how they're going about things. This should be looking to go about things. Uh, a lot of reaction on text inbox, six fifty six fifty. Uh This one here says... Um, Monaghan is your guy. Low cost, high reward. He's been absolutely solid this year with the Habs. Again, the cost is a first-round pick. This one says, sorry, guys. Lindholm and Henrique are too slow. And don't fit the Canucks style. So a lot of... Well, Canucks
4: aren't exactly fast.
2: No, and, and yeah. And I, I wouldn't say Lindholm is slow. Lindholm's actually pretty good as a two-way center he's had some struggles defensively this season but he's not a player that, that is bad in tough areas That's not mm-hmm. a player who doesn't know how to play two-way hockey and uh, we'll see ultimately what the Canucks do All right, great stuff coming in on our text inbox six we'll hit more of them on the other side plus we are going to hear from Canucks players and Ian McIntyre as the Canucks Central Postgame Show rolls on presented by the number no. five orange a Vancouver legend they've got sports too it's sat and bick and more coming up on the, on the other side on sports 650 and the sports net radio network
10: Hitting the most important topics for Vancouver sports fans. The People's Show with Big Nazar. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: This is where you talk Canucks. You're listening to the Canucks Central Post Game Show. On the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. JT Miller lost it to Khrushchev going to the goal. Backhand chance
1: behind Demko. And he held it spun behind his back, made a save with the glove, and now he makes another one without a stick as he's able to hold his right arm to his midsection and get the whistle after it looked like Kurashev and Radish had combined to get the Blackhawks on the board, but Thatcher Demko shut the door again.
2: Thatcher Demko recording his fifth shutout of the season, the Canucks 2-0 over the Chicago Blackhawks. And this is the Canucks Central Post Game Show presented by the Number 5 Orange on the home of your Canucks, Sportsnet 650, and the Sportsnet Radio Network, Satyar Shaw with Bik Nazar. Keep your thoughts coming into our Dunbar Lumber text inbox, 650-650. We'll hit more of your thoughts as the show goes on. Ian McIntyre is going to join us as well. Uh, the Canucks tonight defensively shook things up a little bit. Had Quinn Hughes playing with Tyler Myers. Uh, Ian Cole was playing with Noah Juleson and Zadorov was playing alongside Philip Hironik. And for the most part, uh, they did a pretty decent job. I mean, they didn't allow too much from the Blackhawks, a few chances here and there, looked pretty steady. One point that Randy was making, and you mentioned as well, when you don't have Hughes and Hironik together, you don't quite have the same offensive power, mm-hmm. and you can't dictate as much as uh, you've been able to in the past. Now, in a game like this against Chicago, it wasn't super necessary. But you know they have that in their back pocket. I, I did
4: think early Myers and Hughes clearly, like Hughes scoring the goal, uh, had a couple of nice shots. That's a great
2: shot by Hughes, by the way. Yeah. We haven't really talked about that shot by Quinn Hughes.
4: Strong. I mean, Rick Tocca mentioned it, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I
2: mean his, that shot of his has gone from being, you know, a weakness to his game to a weapon to an absolute weapon. When you're picking your spots, and he's done this a few times, like. It's not just a high-volume shooter who's just getting some bounces go his way. Sure, he's thrown in some shots from the point that have found a way to get in, but he's scored a number of goals of the high-end quality variety. and I think that's what's impressive, and that's what makes you think that the goal scoring by Quinn Hughes is very much sticky. Maybe he's not going to score 17, 18, 20 every year, but the way he's going about it, the way he's improved the shot, like I think we're looking at a guy that... We should expect to score 10 to 12-plus goals every year now.
4: Yeah, my expectation will be double-digit goals, yeah. right? It, it, his previous career high was 8 uh, from 21-22 and, so now, and, and, and uh, his rookie year. And so now I just look at it and say, if you're going to be this dynamic and the, the improvement on the shot and the placement of the shot and the timing of when he shoots it too, uh, my expectation is 10. Every single year for, for Quinn Hughes Now moving forward Yeah Because if, if you want to be Thought of as among the best D-men in the league Like offensive D-men Like goal scoring Is part of it Obviously look He's set up so many goals 68 point seasons And he's he's just like A lock for 65 assists It feels like uh, every, se- every single season But you know it's- goal scoring has got to be part of it, too.
2: Yeah, absolutely does have to be, and especially for, for a team built like this Vancouver Canucks team is. Uh, we'll get to more of your reaction and commentary on the text inbox, 650-650, as the show goes on here. But let's hear from Quinn Hughes. He scored a goal tonight, tremendous for the Canucks on the back end all season, a team's captain going to the All-Star game, and here he is speaking to the media after a 2 nothing win over the Blackhawks.
13: Yeah, I mean... Um you know, Saturday we gave it four or whatnot, and today we gave up, you know, nothing, and Denver made some saves, but for the most part, I thought we were pretty clean, and um, yeah, we'll move on to the next game.
7: Was that a harder game to play after the emotional one with the Leafs?
13: I, you know, I thought we played really good in the first, you know, maybe didn't have the jump in the second and third, but we found a way, and um, of course, the Toronto game on a Saturday was, you um, know, almost felt like a playoff atmosphere, but Tonight we did what we had to do, and we got two points.
14: That's something about it,
13: though, finding a way to win on a, on a night when you, you know how many guys they got out of the lineup? They got eight NHL forwards out, Bedard's not here, yeah.
12: all that stuff, right?
13: Yeah, and then, um, it almost makes it even harder that all those guys are injured because, you know, everyone on that team is working crazy hard, and they bring a different element, obviously, um, you know, missing Bedard and some guys extremely talented and you know maybe missing a chance here or there but for the most part I mean they worked really hard and that puts a a lot of pressure on us too so that's that's just as hard
12: fifth shout out for Thatcher this year what can you say about the play from him yeah
13: happy for him just because I feel like he's been one of the best in the league for a while now but um, you know that position has to do a lot with statistics and with how loose we've been you know last two years um, you know he, he probably didn't get the recognition he deserves but obviously now you know we we're starting to clean some stuff up, and you guys are seeing his numbers that um, you know I think he, you know, could have been at the last couple of years. How much pride do you guys take in playing for him, in front
12: of him, and making it easier on him than you have over the past few years?
13: I mean, sometimes we don't make it easy on him. Even tonight, he made some big saves, but um, you know that's why he's a top one or two, three goalie in the league. He you know makes those saves, and we feel you know very confident in front of him and. I mean, yeah, I would just leave it at that. How
11: about your goal? You've been so aggressive in the offensive zone all season, more of that on that play?
13: What was the last part of that?
11: Just Was it more of that on that yeah, play? Yeah,
13: yeah, yeah. I just... think um, just find a, trying to find those spots down low where I can um, score from there and instead of the wristers from 80 feet out where I'm um, hoping for a tip or whatnot or a really good screen, you know, there I can score and you've seen me score from there. So just trying to you know get aggressive and Put myself in, in good positions where I can do that. Was that a shot you worked on even in the off season? because you're getting to that left circle and going yeah. far right side? Yeah. yeah for sure I don't know how many um, goals I have from that side I want to say like you know probably nine yeah. out of the 12 or 10 but um, definitely something I worked on and um, obviously a lot of my moves are on the left side obviously being a left defenseman and um, yeah just trying to find ways to score and create more and that's pretty much what i did you guys had
12: some different looks with the defensive pairings with julson coming back in and susie going out just what did you think of the the game from that perspective
13: yeah i mean susie's such a good player he really is when he comes back you realize how long he is how good of a skater he is how well he defends his reads and um i mean he really is a hell of a player and we're going to need him Hopefully, if we do anything um, the next couple weeks and months. But in saying that, Juleson's been unreal. I mean, I think you guys can find the stats. But I think, you know, when he was pulled out, I don't think he had been scored on for four or five games, six games. So you rarely hear of a guy getting pulled out like that. I just think we have a lot of depth right now. And Jules was rock uh, solid like he always is. And, um, yeah.
12: The Suter, Kuzmenko, KF line, they've been snake bitten for a while. Is it nice to see them get getting on the scoreboard?
13: Yeah, I mean, I was just saying to someone out there, Kuz is a happy guy. Everyone here roots for him, and um, he made a great play there, plays that we know he can make, and um, you just got to keep going just like the rest of us.
2: That is Quinn Hughes post-game uh, after 2 nothing victory over the Chicago Blackhawks. And you know mentions for Thatcher Demko that it made it easy for him to, for some extent, but also mentions a lot of times they don't make it easy for him. And it certainly has been the case a lot of times. Oh, I wouldn't say a lot of times, but at times so far this season. But overall, I think they've done a really good job of limiting uh, high-danger scoring chances for the most part of this season. And I think that's a big reason why this team has six shutouts this year, Vic.
4: Six?
2: Five so- for Demko.
4: Five and and one for the Smith. By the way, we haven't really talked about usage, but nevertheless, um, of, of who's going to uh, get starts here. Uh, nevertheless, uh, they have been really strong uh, defensively, as, as we know we've talked about this. But it's it's not even just about them coming together. And and, and Ian Cole mentioned when he joined us too of, yeah, the, the goalie's good, but we got to be good in front of the goalie, and the forward's got to be good for the defense. It's it's all that. It's the, the the constant buy-in of the willingness to play this way, and then who gets to enjoy the benefits of all that, it's Thatcher Demko. He's clearly a fantastic goalie. Now you create an environment that's easier for him, and you know, Rick talking harps on that all the time. Yeah. Like We don't do the post-to-post stuff, and you, you just don't see it as much anymore. You don't even see Oddman rushes against the Canucks.
2: Barely. I mean, the, over that seven-game road trip, there's a few Devils games that happen a little bit against the Rangers a little bit, but overall they've done a really good job of limiting that. And... From, from
4: where we were from, let's say, 2018, to where we are now. Like, oddman rushes against the Vancouver Canucks were a regular thing. And it felt like that to me was the biggest thing that was going to be hard to to flip the goals against. Like, I, I thought maybe coming to this year, okay, they they trim it down, you know, 35 goals from where they were last year to where they are this year. And like, that to me would be a good outcome. They're going to shatter where they were. Last year, as far as goals against to where they are this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, and just the process—two goals against, you're right. But the process of which how they play defensively. You mentioned the rush chances, but also how did they do a really good job of not giving up too many rebound opportunities. And they've cleared the front of their net really well too. Hasn't always been perfect, but on the totality of the season, they've been a strong defensive team and a big reason why uh, they've been able to rack up these shutouts. Now, you mentioned Thatcher Demko, and let's hear his thoughts post game after blanking the Blackhawks two nothing. Here is the Canucks netminder.
10: Yeah, I mean, uh, like you said, it was an emotional game Saturday and then, you know, come back out on Monday night. That's um, a hard-working team. Um, you know, they're doing what they can right now, and, uh, you know, I thought they played pretty well, and, and we had to match that. So I'm um, proud of the group again. Uh, another two points was huge, and uh, two more games here before all Star
12: feels like we ask you about it every game, but another big night for the penalty kill. Mm-hmm. Just growing in confidence here, at Field.
10: Game. Yeah, I mean, say it every night. Good job by them.
12: What's changed the most in terms of the turnaround from the penalty kill, say, from last year to this? Year?
10: Um, I think just making reads off each other and not playing, uh, you know, slow. I think if there's a time to pressure, you got to go right now. And um, you know, there's so much skill in the league nowadays; you can't give guys that extra half second to, to make a decision. So, um, support and, and decision making has been huge. How About the way your team protected the lead in the third period, you guys have been good at it all year. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought we did a really good job of kind of playing in their end. Um, obviously, they had a, the power play at the end where we got a big kill, but um, yeah, it was a good job again.
12: Goal line stand, just trying to keep the left, po-
11: left post uh, held as best you can.
10: Mm-hmm. You
11: mentioned uh, off the start two more games here before the All-Star break. Do you sense the guys are kind of feeling that and anxious to get to that point?
10: Uh, I think we're excited to play the next game. Um, I mean, we just had Christmas break, so I think we feel pretty good right now.
2: Thatcher Demko, uh, it sounds like he's not looking forward to the break. So We already had enough breaks. We're good. I will he's say, good. so the Canucks do have, a, in terms of strength of competition, uh, their second half schedule, and once they come back from the All-Star break, I mean, there's going to be some tough games. I mean, they have some, you know, like I, I did the count. There's about like 19 games you look at and say, okay, like 17 games. that are like, okay. Pretty good opposition. Teams that are entrenched in the playoff spots, teams that are solid in a playoff spot. Should I
4: rattle off the schedule here after the break? Yes, go ahead. Uh, On the road, Carolina, Boston, Detroit, Washington, Chicago. Come back home, Detroit, Winnipeg. On the road, Minnesota, Colorado, Seattle, Boston, Pittsburgh, LA, Anaheim. And that's the deadline.
2: And that's, I mean, it's not, okay, so it's not a. It's
4: it's something, but again, it picks up even again uh, later on in the year, too, once you're going to start playing all those uh, conference games. So it's like LA, Dallas, Vegas. LA, Vegas, Edmonton, like, it, it, it's going it's to get tough, but it's, it's not overwhelming, I don't
2: think. No, it's not overwhelming, but I'm just saying, like it's, they have some tougher opponents. However, the schedule is not nearly as challenging in terms of games and days played. It's not as they have the break exists, coming they up, they don't demand. have a ton of back-to-backs left, they have that eight-game homestand, none of those games are in a back-to-back situation, a lot of breaks in between. So as much as the Canucks have some tough games coming up, you can make the case they've gotten through the most challenging parts of their schedule so far. And if they can keep honing in on their game, which they've shown a real ability to do, right? They've matured and got better as the season has gone on. They've become stronger defensively at times, but offensively generating a bit more. Like They're looking more and more like a true contender as the season goes on, and they've been off to a great start the entire year. But you should feel pretty good about them being able to keep this going based on just how they play, but also their schedule and what they've been able to get through so far and what they have remaining. As much as there are some tough games coming up, they don't have as much physical demand on them in terms of their schedule because of everything they've gone through. I mean, they've played 47 games tied for most in the league so far, I believe, right? And there are a number of teams that have played three or four, five fewer games so far. Those are the teams that are going to have a bit of a hellish finish to the year, whereas the Canucks kind of went through their most hellish stretch through January.
4: Yeah, 47 is tied for the most in the league. So, you know, it's, it's set up for them to... Manage their endurance really well, and and we had someone uh, text in significantly earlier about uh, you know uh, usage, and they talk about like effort management. Yeah, and you know tonight was kind of a game like that, obviously, but energy management. Yeah, it was sorry, it was energy management. Yes, thank you for correcting me, but um, yeah, it's going to be important here, and we, we got a couple of texts asking about the the usage for the goaltending, um. Jake and Kamloops, who's a fourth-line left-winger, energy and grinder. Love it. Uh, Not that I think uh, Demko can't handle the workload, but should the Canucks use DeSmith a little bit more, given they're in a solid playoff spot? Demko less tired, a little healthier, and fresher for the playoffs. Uh, DeSmith against St. Louis, or DeSmith against Columbus for you?
2: Hmm. Uh, I'd almost rather give him St. Louis, and then give Demko the last game before the break, because then he's going to go to the All-Star game. He's got some time Mm -hmm. off. Um and he's your number one goalie coming back. That's just how I would view it in terms I of think him. I'm the inverse. You'd go the other way. The
4: conference game against St. Louis. Take that one.
2: Go Demco versus Bennington.
4: <laughs> yeah. Right. And then you know the Smith just played Columbus, chance to rebound from that shootout. Um oh, that could've been bad. Oh,
2: it wasn't it wasn't open though, it's okay.
4: Potential all time fumble by Ian McIntyre, but nah. but
2: But he saved it. It was fine. Just like the closer that he is. There's a reason (laughs) we call him the triple threat for obviously. Because you read him on digital, you watch him on television, and you're about to hear him on radio. He is Ian McIntyre. It
8: was just a can of Pepsi. Had not been opened. Should we shake it even more and leave it in the fridge and see I, who opens it? I think it? Sat put it there as a trap. That was Bix, actually. <laughs> my oh, yeah. sorry.
4: I didn't realize it was so inviting.
8: I, I was trying to rummage through the pile of papers looking for a, a game sheet. Yeah. He found the one. Pep- the Pepsi looks good, though. You should. You should help yourself. It's unopened. Where's the beer? I know you have it in here somewhere. No I, no, I didn't kind bring of it. Keep yeah. it hidden. I didn't bring it with me this time. Oh, okay. This time.
4: That's why the takes are so weird. Yeah, I
2: know. <laughs> Usually, sound
8: better once I'm two or three deep. Y- you guys have had a long post-game show, boy. Boy, I, exactly. I, I love a fast game. I'm guessing you guys aren't so keen on it.
2: It's funny. <laughs> we okay about it. It's funny because uh, when I talk to some of the TV guys, they love fast games. It's mm-hmm. like get in and get out. Same thing with uh, the the writers, yeah. the radio guys. For us, it's like, yeah, I mean, we'll take it. But at the same time, you know, it depends on what's going on because we got to be here till eleven thirty, anyways. <laughs> yeah.
8: So. We're happy to work. We're, we're happy. And wait, wait a minute, CC how Rogers could, management. I'm how could? Work. How could you have spoken to the TV guys when I haven't talked to you?
4: Ooh.
2: Oh wow. Good, good point. Good point. Touche. I stand corrected. You didn't talk to Big though, did you? No.
8: That's why. Yeah. Yeah. Because you guys
4: are on TV. Well, especially him. Right. Especially right. you. Not tonight though.
8: No. No it was
4: a national game. National
2: game.
8: No, I'm wearing jeans. Look at
4: me.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's how we know. I'm Same. dressed like a radio guy. I know.
4: <laughs> it's funny. Yeah,
2: it's funny. Every time I show up
8: and I don't have a suit on, I'm like, "Oh, you're not doing TV today?" It's like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I I show up. They don't have to look at my clothes. They can tell like, "Do I do I look carefree? do I look happy? very
2: Happy. <laughs> they look relaxed. Yeah, I've,
8: exactly. Relaxed. Not pensive, right? Uh, yes. Not pensive.
2: <laughs> uh, it's been a
8: while since I've seen that word or
2: used it, really, or heard it. Well, pensive. I, I mean, not not many reasons to be pensive around this team this season. You've saw some a lot of pensive moments the last few years. That's just wow. He's oh on a heck, roll.
4: He's he's performing. You right go, now. sat. <laughs> this is what happens when you're two beers deep. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, this
2: laughs> hey, don't tell anybody. Speaking of. Literature. (laughs) I don't know if that's quite the segue.
8: But I loved it this morning. Rick Talkett in his um, pregame avail after the morning skate mentioned having the conch and being able to speak. And I said to him after, is that a reference uh, to Lord of the Flies? He said, yeah. Yeah. You're about my age. You must have read it. I said, I did (laughs) in school, grade nine. He says, yeah, Lord of the Flies. That's really good. But having the conch. Yeah, I mean, uh, then we had a, a long discussion about the book and Joseph Conrad and what his best works were. Oh Does yeah, think the locker room.
2: Was no, oh, no. well, Joseph we Conrad's best uh, best work, happen, *Heart perhaps.
8: of Darkness*. Yeah, probably. Yeah, became *Apocalypse Now*. Correct. Right? Correct. Man, I sat through the director's cut of that (laughs) once. Oh, the Redux? uh, Yeah, don't do not do not bother. A long journey, seven hours. Yeah. Oh, was a long journey (laughs) down that river. It kind of wrecked the movie because it's one of the greatest movies of all time. I'll say, Apocalypse Mm Now. Yeah, but the the condensed one, which was only about five hours, three hours. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've used the kernel. I've kind of stopped now because eventually. We, as we age, eventually we figure out how old we really are. Right. The so, aren't. Yes. Are, are, so the references. General are. Kurtz. Yeah. Colonel Kurtz going, Colonel Kurtz, yes. going down the river. I yes. use that a lot over the years. But when
4: people don't watch the movie, it's like, what is this?
8: Yeah, but maybe they should watch the movie. They really we, should. Maybe, Bic, we should not speak down to our audience and give them some credit for their intellectual capacity. Yes. And love of old movies yeah. from the We haven't been getting a lot of the movies tonight, being uh, uh, yeah. to be fair. <laughs> With, now was Apocalypse now was that even the seven that was eighties. Seventy nine? Right? No, seventies. I think oh, late seventies okay. I so, believe. Like, a very young
2: nineteen seventy nine. A very young Harrison Ford was in that movie too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mark Sheen was the uh him and Marlon Brando were the headliners.
8: I think that's yeah, well Marlon Brando was, was just a genius. Yes, of really. course. Were you doing the thing
4: there? Like the, the guy coming on the on the helicopter? No. Oh I thought you no,
8: were. No, I right. was trying to fix No, I'm trying to think of the name of the guy who I should know, the, the California surfer dude. Robert okay. Duvall? No, 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 no. He was Oh yeah. yeah. No, the guy surfing uh, to I can't get no satisfaction behind the PT boat. Part of the crew. Young actor. Uh, oh man. Didn't he Okay, it doesn't matter. Yeah, right now we've ground eight. the show to an yeah. absolute standstill. So let's, as if you guys hadn't managed that in the first hour and forty-five minutes. The, of the worst the first show. fifteen minutes of the show, <laughs> Ian, I might add. No, so that was before my time. By the way, I never saw Apocalypse. Uh, no, at at uh, when it came out, I saw it like years later because I was just a little tiny kid. That would have been inappropriate for me to see such a disturbing. And thought-provoking movie, Very shrunken heads, yeah, oh.
2: a little problematic. Yes. Would have kept you up one too many nights. The horror. <laughs> All right, the game. Uh, it, it wasn't really horrible, but it wasn't the most entertaining hockey game. Was that a segue? It kind for me of it was the horror. Yeah, it was, it was very okay. bad. It was very All bad. All right. Uh, that one didn't pass the muster. I
8: did see Platoon live. When you did? It came out, and I yeah. thought that was great as well. Platoon. That was, good Charlie Sheen. that was a good movie. That was a good movie. As far as the game goes tonight. This game of hockey. This game tonight. of hockey. Okay. Did, did it ever
2: feel like the Canucks were in any duress?
8: Well, I think they would have been had it got to 2-1. Like, there was, when you're up two in the third and the other teams on a power play, yeah, there's, I would say there's some duress, <laughs> even though the Chicago power play, I shouldn't have guffawed there. There was a little guffaw. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it came across on radio, but I, could, I couldn't say Chicago power play without snickering a bit. Um, it, was, it was awful. Yeah. But, you know, they're one shot away from it being a 2 1 game. Mm-hmm. We just saw, and I know they're not the Leafs, but, you know, we just saw them blow a three-goal lead. They are quite capable, I'm yes. sure, of losing a two-goal lead. And yet they have that stat that just blows my mind every time I look at it, that twenty-nine zero 0 one Like, how is that possible? Yeah. 59 out of 60 points in this day and age where, you know, not just because of Saturday's game, but you see multi-goal collapses all over the NHL now. There's power plays are, are so lethal uh, it, there's so much speed and talent in the game. How can you go 29-0 and one leading in the third period? Now I know they've been good enough, so good that a lot of those leads haven't been one-goal leads. It's different trying to close out a, a three-goal mm-hmm. lead than, and tonight a two-goal lead than the one-goal leads. But still, uh, the Canucks just seem to be able to, when it matters, uh, defend well. The, matters most of the time to them. They've done a very good job defending the front of their net and limiting the high danger, limiting those lateral passes, all those things that we, we talked about early in the season because it was so remarkable that we weren't seeing them like we had in previous years. But it's now just kind of, at, at night after night after night, they're they're solid in front of their, their goal. And, and Demko, I, I don't know if this is the best he's ever played because it was pretty fantastic two years ago. But it just seems whether they're leading six four like they were or two nothing in this game, when they need him to make big saves he makes yeah. he makes big saves. And and good for him. You know, five shutouts already after having only three in his first three years as a starter, to have five barely past the halfway point in the season is is great for him. I don't know if he really cares about it. He said, you know, I'm human, so he does he does like it a bit, but it's not obviously the primary uh, stat that he's focused on but I think it's a reflection both of him and and his ability to make these big saves late in games but also the team it's a team stat when you have those those shutouts and it, and it illustrates how good the Canucks have been in front of them not necessarily preventing all shots because you can't do that but but just preventing as talk it says the grade a chances the drive coaches nuts and when you think back on tonight's game, he makes 31 saves. How many of them just leaped to mind because they were such, you know, jaw-dropping saves? Not that, not many, mm-hmm. not many, right? And and that's because the team isn't giving up the the huge chances in front. And, and when Chicago, their best chance in the third period was was it Colin Blockwell. Yeah, the, had, the half break, had, yeah. Had the breakaway, zoomed past Philip Roenick and appeared to have Demko beaten and then shot wide, so... You need a little luck as well, but I think luck is one of the least elements uh, that you should attribute the success of of Demko to this season.
4: Uh, to your point about the comeback wins, just bringing this up here in across the league, there's been 92 multi-goal comeback wins, and in the third period, there's been 28 in the league. So obviously, the Canucks are not. Uh, yeah. Uh, for that one, for the third period. Yeah,
8: Teddy Bluger said, and I I think it's a good point, and he, you know, the guys don't really know that stat. Like Tyler Myers told me he hadn't heard about it until a couple of weeks ago and then didn't know what to make of it. (laughs) Uh, Teddy Bluger, when I talked to him after tonight's game, said he was unaware of it, didn't know that they hadn't, you know, Lost a game in regulation when leading I, in the third. Did we
2: say it to a Connect player a few week, a couple of weeks back, and we're like, "Yeah, now you're 20." You're like, "Oh wow, I didn't realize that." So yeah. I, I don't think there's something they talk like, about in the no, group. Yeah. No,
8: and and Bluger said that the podcast. And Bluger said that he <laughs> doesn't think it's necessarily something that's on their minds, but he he says, "What what is encouraging about it is as they go down the stretch here and play bigger games, and then presumably into the playoffs." And I'm saying that he didn't say presumably into the playoffs. He said, it's a great trait to have, mm-hmm. this confidence that you can defend a lead and close out a game in the third period when you're leading. And I'd have to agree with him on that. It is a great trait to have. Uh,
4: what's fair to take away from this game about Andre Kuzmenko, given the competition?
8: Uh, you know, it was, an, it was a... No, I, I wouldn't say... Uh, I. I don't think anything he did tonight that was positive should be diminished by the competition because we just saw the, the Blackhawks gave the Canucks uh, a handful, you know, 31 shots and, and a 2 nothing loss and a scoreless game in the final 53 minutes. So uh, I, I think what you take away is he had, a, he had a really good night. He looked like he had a ton of confidence. And the C word is what everybody from Talkett to Alvin to Rutherford has talked about when we ask them about Andre Kizmenko, a player without confidence. And, you know, the pass he made, the play he tried to make where he pulled the puck Mm -hmm. between his skates and shot from between his legs, almost scored. You you don't even do those things unless you're confident. So for whatever reason, uh, Andre was feeling it tonight. It's great that his line was going and got you know, generated a couple of goals, um, but it's one game, and he has struggled for a long, long time. The key now, do it on Wednesday, do it on Saturday, do it after the break, like, just make it part of your everyday game, like so many of the other guys uh, have this year with uh, positive things they've been doing.
4: And he attempted four uh, shots today, that to me is a... Nice sign too, because he doesn't shoot. That yeah,
8: that enough. and that's been one of the most uh, I would say discouraging things. Like the goals are one thing, but uh, as we've all noted, nobody thought he was going to score 39 again, not unless he, you know, doubled or tripled his shot uh, volume. But then he's shooting but, even less this but year. Yes, yeah. and he said before the season that he n- needed to shoot more and had worked on his shot and was going to shoot more, and instead he's shooting less. And that that's been a discouraging thing, but I think that's also goes back to to confidence. He just didn't doesn't believe on some nights that he's going to score, so he doesn't shoot. He's looking to make make a pass because maybe somebody else can score because he can't. Like whether he he frames it uh, that that way or not, that's what's going through his mind. So again, it's nice that he made a couple of spectacular plays. Uh, was rewarded, got on the score sheet. His line was good early on. And so we'll see if it if it leads to another game like that.
2: Before we get out here, Brian in White Rock text in and says, English teacher here, Lord of the Flies is William Golding, and it's uh, pronounced conk as in C, C-O-N-K. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. uh, lotso says a mac reread some golding so many sports analogies like saying it's, mm. it's, it's worth rereading so i feel shame that, that not I joseph, said joseph
8: conrad, conrad. Yeah. yeah
4: speaking of literature
5: i got nothing
8: no, no. that's it all right yeah. speaking of literature <laughs> now, we move you, on now you're a little bit younger than me Vic. yeah So did you read Lord of the Flies in school? Sat, uh, Lord of the Flies? Yes, I
2: I have the book at home as well, and this text message here says most kids still read Lord of the Flies at school. Good. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Not in my uh, curriculum. Did it? No? Did you read Catcher
2: in the Rye instead
4: or something? Uh, I think I did, yeah. Yeah,
2: Okay. It's it's usually one or two or both. depends on what what age group.
4: Yeah, no, uh, grade nine, I definitely read uh, Catcher in the Rye. Yeah. All
2: right, JD Salinger All right, great stuff. I I'm, s- I'm
8: still feeling shame about William
2: Golding and <laughs>
4: I thought Robert
8: when you said Joseph Conrad, Joseph I Conrad. I just I
2: didn't miss the beat. I'm like, "Oh, hard harder." Seems like it good? should be Conrad, doesn't it? it sound, <laughs> hey, hey of... it's it's very much up as exactly. the way,
4: is the actor we were thinking of, Lawrence Fishburne? Is that the uh,
2: somebody no, texted in a young no. Lawrence Fishburne in that movie.
8: No, but he wasn't in that movie. He was that in the wasn't movie. the guy. Who, um, who was the guy who water skied behind the pizza? Somebody
2: texted book. in Giancarlo Esposito. I don't know what that is. No, um, that was the chef,
4: Dennis Hopper. He's also in that movie? Yeah. I can't remember. I haven't seen that in a long time.
8: I think we've named every character in the film now except, except the guy I'm thinking of. Yeah.
2: So uh, maybe for the next post-game show. All right, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, great stuff as always, Ian. I look forward to reading your latest on sportsnet.ca and chatting with you on Wednesday on the post-game show when the Canucks,
8: after the Canucks take all the Blues. And thank you to all the literature professors listening to us post-game.
2: You never know who's listening. And thank you for correcting this. Yes. Uh, a, a listening audience much more educated than we are. Clearly. <laughs> yes. Clearly. yes.
8: <laughs> we set a low bar, <laughs> though. Look what we
2: do for a living. No, no kidding. No kidding. We, we just talk sports for a living. All right, Thanks to everybody listening, uh, participating on the Text Inbox. Appreciate every single one of you. Always a lot of fun. Looking forward to being back at it again on Wednesday. But tomorrow, Bick Nazar's is back on The People Show. I'm Satyar Shah back on Canuck Central. Thanks to Lena. Thanks to Josh back at the station. And all of you for listening and being Part of the Canucks Central post-game show, presented by the Number Five Orange, on the home of your Canucks Sportsnet 650.